Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. What a weekend. A lot of stuff going on. Obviously, the NBA All-Star Game. Mike Conley got in. A last-second replacement for Devin Booker, who was a replacement in his own right. But Conley got to play, got a bucket, got his first All-Star points. Uh, Jazz had four guys there. Conley did well in the three-point shootout, but lost to Steph Curry in the final. So uh, there was that. I was a little more entertained by the competition this weekend, including the Utah State game, where the Aggies could not make a bucket in the first half. Down 27-17 at halftime at Fresno State. Couldn't score, but they defended well, fought back, and won a game. 57-51. So... Hey, they got that edge heading to the conference tournament. They are uh, firmly on the bubble. They better win the tournament, right? You don't want to leave it up to anybody else. You might find a way to get in, but better to win the tournament and not worry about it. Uh, it was a heck of a win. Great comeback. They finally took the lead with 10 minutes to go in the game, and it took big shots. They still were down with four minutes left, though. It took some big shots in the final two minutes to win this. Here's Craig Smith, Utah State coach, after the win at Fresno State. Coach, we've done a few of these, and there's been some crazy games, but that one might be a, a top five as far as, like, I have no voice left. I feel like I was playing because I feel dead tired. I can't imagine what you guys were dealing with out there. Well, we're so happy that we found a way to win when there was not a – I've never seen so many bank shots. I know, in my, right? Literally at any high school game, AU game, my daughter's fifth grade game, I, it was just incredible. And, and um, you know, not a lot went right for us. Uh, we were talking in the, in the huddle or in, the, uh, uh, in this arena. It's kind of a longer walk to get to your locker room. There's big, wide-open hallways, and we're all standing there – and, and Austin Hansen had the scout, and did, I thought did a really good job. Uh, but Eric Peterson goes, uh, he goes, do you guys all just feel exhausted right now? Because you're just, and you're just tense, like you're yeah. just, you're, you're just tight. Like your body yeah. is just like, and it was just one of those things. And, you know, um, I just give our guys a lot of credit for finding a way. You know, sometimes when your offense is as awful as it was at times for us, um, you lose your will a little bit to guard. Yeah. And our guys, I thought, really guarded well all night long. You know, and we, we ended up holding them to, what, um, 34.6% for the game. And honestly, guys, I mean, they banked in at least two. And I'm not even counting. The, I think they had two runners in the paint that they banked, banked in that looked like they might have tried to bank those in. But I think Robinson banked in two shots, including the three at the end when we were up five. Yeah. And when that left his hand, I had a perfect view. I'm like, there's no – in my mind, I was like, well, that's way off. And all of a sudden, I don't know what it is playing Fresno. Yeah. But last year, Newell Williams banks in the three from like 25 feet to force overtime, you know, at the buzzer. And it's just like uh, – but then Steven threw one a bank in yeah. for good measure. We yeah. had to at least get one of them well, that's back. that's what I was saying. Finally, this is evening up a little bit, but it was like six to one. Oh, uh, it, was, it was crazy. So, honestly, I think they had like 11 points on bank shots but you know like I told the guys I needed to help them more in the offensive end in the first half we didn't run a whole lot of sets to try to get them kind of under control and get us better looks we were a little bit all over the map when we did get a look uh, we just weren't clean with it I thought we played a little soft to be honest in the first half they were very very physical and you know there was a stretch I think under the four minute media timeout where we had missed uh, I forget the number of shots, but we only had one offensive rebound. Yeah. And and we had eight points in the first 12 and a half minutes. And obviously no assists because you can't make a shot. Uh, but I give our guys credit. That second half, you know, at halftime we had three offensive boards. We get eight offensive rebounds. Bean 
uh, obviously was the the main guy in that respect. Nimi had a couple in there as well. Um, you know, we, we, we finally get the lead to go up one, and Justin, I think, on an offensive rebound got fouled, or maybe it was on a defensive board. He was on the floor down there, and 10 rolled into him. He misses the front end. Then we get another stop, and Raleigh gets fouled. He misses the front end, and it's just we just couldn't get out of our own way yeah. for a stretch there. But credit Fresno. They have been playing well. They just won at Boise on the road, and just so happy we were able to find a way to win. We made a lot of plays down the stretch. You know, when this season and, you know, however this season concludes and wherever it concludes, I think you're going to look back as one of the best offensive possessions you had of the season was you get a steal from Ashworth, Wooster misses a three, Kata gets the rebound, Kata misses a jumper, uh, you get the offensive rebound, uh, Wooster misses a jumper, Marco gets the offensive rebound, you call timeout with 10 seconds left on the shot clock, and then Fonz buries the three at the end. I mean, four offensive rebounds, leads to three, you go from one to down two, and then I'll take it a step further, you get the uh, turnover here, and and you got bead line on his back, you don't have the possession arrow with 20 seconds left, I'm thinking a guy's going to fall on him, tie it up, and he's able to flip yeah. it over. And Wooster comes down and hits the three. Yeah, that was a, that was a, obviously a monster segment for us there. You know, it's it's always a fine line as a coach when I like us in transition. We've been playing very well in transition lately. Tonight, though, we kind of got in our own way. Um, a couple big, you know, when we kind of seized the lead. I think Stephen traveled. Um, uh, then we had a bad post feed. Uh, Fawns kind of ran, bulldozed over that guy in transition. But that segment that you're talking about, the, when you started it, it didn't sound very good. Yeah, I know. Until you said, you know, Bean with the offense. I think you said Bean with the offense rebound. Marco with the offense rebound. And we did. We called a timeout just to try to get something good. And to have Nimi, you know, he got the catch probably a little close to the too far to the baseline and not a little bit, you know, higher up. Um, but for him to have the wherewithal to hit Marco on the baseline drift, and then for Marco to have the wherewithal to go one more yeah. to Fonz. And, you know, a lot of times in that kind of situation with the time and score um, and obviously the shot clock where it is, it's easy not to have poise and just try to make something, on a, try to do something that's just not there. And I'm really proud of Marco and Nimi for making that play. And then obviously Fonz. I mean, just stepped into that shot confident. And when it left his hand, it looked really good. And just so happy. I got goosebumps right now thinking about it. And then you're right on that next play where it's just a collision and a melee on the floor. And that's one of the things we showed our guys is, you know, we take a lot of pride in being that team, but so do they. Yeah. And and they're always going to play hard and play physical. And for Bean to find a way to get that 50-50 ball and then not only get it but have the wherewithal to be able to put enough steam on the ball to get it to, I think it was Marco, and then we're out in transition, and Marco obviously hits uh, Raleigh. And for Raleigh to do that, because I think he just missed one, if I remember right, Uh, you know, in the prior three minutes, a clean look and a three. So, um, And then we were able to make our free throw. Well, for the most part, Nimi made those two. um, So anyway, winning on the road, winning is always hard. It's always hard. And it's really hard to win on the road and to be able to do it in spite of ourselves in some respects. Yeah. Um, but we, we, we won the game because of what we've always done, and that's defend, rebound, and make tough guy plays. And then just, you know, you want to do a little bit more than that on the offensive end. And we haven't been shooting our free throws well until tonight where we go 9 for 16 and, you know, miss the two front ends. So um, so hopefully I think this will be a good win for us uh, going into the tournament, you know, finding a way to win a close game like that. 
And um, we'll enjoy a day off tomorrow and get ready for, um, I think it's Air Force or UNLV yeah. from what I understand. Air Force and UNLV, you go in as the two seed uh, with the win tonight, and that two seed's treated you pretty well the last couple of years. It's been a good spot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to say too much. but there you, know, you go. I'm sorry. My no, bad. no, you're good. <laughs> but obviously tying for the regular season title two years ago at Nevada, and we lost the tie breaks to be the two seed. And then last year, of course, San Diego State kind of ran away with it, and, and we got that two seed. So uh, our guys are excited. It's March. You know, like we told the guys at the end of shoot-around um, today, um, you know, a lot of teams are done right now. Yeah. I mean, they're done playing. And um, with uh, with their conference a year ago tonight, Sam made the last second shot. Uh, but a lot of teams are are done because they've started their conference tournaments. How about yesterday, Northern Iowa, who of course was our third game of the year? Um, they have a positive test, and and by the conference guide, my understanding just through Twitter, by the conference guidelines, they should have played. But by the city of St. Louis or their county, they were had the forfeit. And so we're so fortunate to be playing. We can't wait for that tournament. It's one of the best events. It's one of the best conference tournaments in the country. Uh, uh, and obviously it'll be different this year without the pageantry and yeah. without the fans. But like we've said all year, we want to play games. Um, uh, we were steadfast with that this week. We wanted to play games. We, I just think that's how it how it is. And um, and. Uh, I think it's a wide-open tournament going into uh, this week. One thing I wanted to touch on before I let you go is, and, and I just love this as part of who your team is, and I've noticed it all year, but but in that first half, you know, I looked over and, 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 and you could tell maybe there was a little bit of body language and guys were kind of down, and then that second half, your bench was – on fire and because i mean this is such a big place I it mean, is. and there's nobody in here and you have to generate and those guys that bench, that bench group was great in the second half you know it was interesting scotty you know i'm always paying attention to our guys and i felt like we had a good week of practice i mean obviously we only had the one day in between i thought our, our, we had really good practices going into um the wyoming game i thought our guys were really sharp yesterday mentally obviously we didn't do a whole lot live obviously just with that the, the game and then the traveling here. But our guys were really crisp and sharp. I thought we had great energy today in the film room and in walkthrough. And um, and Logan Ogden, our strength coach, is always out here stretching, and he's like, Coach, that was one of the best we've had all year. And then we came out, and like I didn't think we were lazy. I mean, the way we guarded, we yeah. certainly weren't lazy. But I don't know if we felt like like they were – it was it was very physical. Um they threw a couple things at us defensively that they hadn't in the past. And and then it was almost like we were a little tentative. You know, it, it, kind of like that first half of Wyoming. I thought we were tentative for a different reason. But um, but we were able to kind of self-correct. And obviously to start the second half on that 11-2 run. But you're right, the, the, the feeling that, that, ben, uh, that our bench had. And we've had great leadership. And this team is a really tight team, Scotty. I, I don't ever mean to overstate that. But we do have a really tight group. And, um, you know, between, I think, what we said at halftime and just being matter of fact, and I think what the guys said before the coaches got in there uh, really mattered, and our energy carried us through tonight when a lot of not, when not a lot of things were going, obviously, the right way. But thank you for the compliment. You know, life's too short, man, and, and, and we get to coach college basketball, and these guys get to play, and so you better enjoy it because it you only get it for such a short yeah. window of your life. Yep. 
Congratulations. All right, brother. Thanks, Scotty. There's Utah State basketball coach Craig Smith. All right. Most of the local teams are getting into tournament action Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, depending on the, the team and the conference. But for BYU, it's West Coast Conference Tournament semifinal play tonight. They're playing Pepperdine. And we'll hear from their coach, Mark Pope, next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. BYU playing Pepperdine tonight, West Coast Conference Tournament. Mark Pope met with the media Friday as the tournament got rolling. Here is the BYU head coach. Yeah, Mark, why is it so hard in general to win a conference tournament? And why has it been 20 years since BYU has won one? Well, I, I don't know. Um how hard is it to win a conference tournament? Because I've never done it. So, I mean, I did it in college when I was a player, but I haven't done it since. Um, you know, I wish I had the answer to that. Then we probably win them all. Uh, I do think. I do think um, there are some inherent challenges with it uh, that maybe um, have affected BYU in the past. Maybe I'm not sure. I can't really speak intelligently on anything but the very recent history. Um, But I think um, depth can be something that can help you in a conference tournament. And I think uh, uh, a real defensive foundation can help you in a conference tournament. I think Um, um, something that kind of gives you a consistency to fall back on consistently that you can count on every night. Uh, Um, so I think those two things are probably important. I would say the third thing that's important, uh, that, that that's important is, is, um, is really good coaching, which clearly is going to be lacking in our case down there. So we've got two of the three things we need to go win a conference tournament. Yeah. Mark, uh, you know, what's, what's maybe going to change this year in your approach to that, that Monday night game, you guys are like the last team to, to get on the floor in, in Vegas, What's maybe going to be the different approach? I know with that no Sunday, at, what's going to be the different approach there? First of all, I'm super disappointed because as I was saying that the one thing we're missing is good coaching. Like Norma and Jake were just nodding their heads like, yep, mm-hmm, clearly. Uh, we're trying to figure out Monday. We are. We have a bad history this this year of Monday. Our only Monday game was the Gonzaga game. Isn't that right, guys? Do, do we have something early in the season? And clearly we started that game out uh, incredibly poorly. Um, so we're going to try and simulate game day as closely as we can tomorrow and then try and run it back Monday. Uh, it's just as, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that we're the only team in a country that is just choosing to play games where you don't practice or meet the day before. Um, but we're going to make it work and we're going to actually turn it into advantage. And Monday night, uh, everyone's going to be like, man, those guys are really smart because they were super fresh. I mean, I guess that's what we're searching for. Um, but we're going to try and simulate Monday almost to a T uh, tomorrow in, in terms of an early morning shoot around, a late night tip off. You know, it makes the day so long, right? Um, but the only time we can get to the gym is, is 830 in the morning. 
for an hour and then we'll kind of be sitting around all day until uh, it'll be a nine o'clock tip Vegas time. So we're really focused on that. We've been kind of um, imagining uh, first three minutes of the game, uh, kind of doing three minute scrimmages a lot, um, trying to kind of hone in on exactly how we'd like to start. That's a little bit complicated because we don't know exactly who we're going to play. So we've been focusing on us um, and we're talking about it a lot. And, you know, the, the, the really great thing about these tournaments, the thing that makes them special is you only get one shot. It's not like you get a bunch of practice rounds at the tournament. You just get one. And so we're doing everything we can to anticipate all the hurdles that we'll face and, and jump at them. And, and um, I think we'll be in a good spot. We're excited. How satisfying was it uh, for, for you and the team to, to have a guy in Matt or earn uh, defensive player of the year uh, one year after you guys are known for your offense, but to have the, the top player in the league win the defensive honor? Yeah, I mean, what a gift to BYU Matt Harms has been, right? And and so, uh, you know, he's, I don't know, guys, we're 26 or 25 or 27 right now, nationally ranked defense, and we're super proud of that. And Matt is, you know, we've actually, like we've talked about, we actually changed some things schematically because we have Matt. And he's actually grown defensively. He's actually done more defensively than we even thought he could. Uh, two numbers that are astounding. His, his post-defense numbers are ridiculous, and his isolation defense numbers are great when he switches. And so, you know, that's something we might not have even taken full advantage of. But he's been incredible uh, in both those areas and, and certainly allowed us to change up the scheme of our defense. Um, and it's fun, right? I think, we're, I think we're number 20 or 19 or 21 nationally ranked offense. And so our offense is still just a little bit ahead of our defense, but our defense defense gives us so much confidence uh it's been a it's been a it's been a difference maker for us this season for sure and matt is the ringleader of our defensive effort my my daughter layla she she loves i don't know what it is but she loves remarking that things are so satisfying whether it's, you know, uh, whatever. And so it, that she would really appreciate that question. She's like, yeah, this Matt Harms defense is so satisfying. Go ahead, Sean, and then Matt. Well, now we know where she gets it from, I guess, Coach. Uh, <laughs> although I think, I think Leanne likes to use that phrase, too. So maybe it's just a family thing in your household. <laughs> um, <laughs> piggybacking off of that a little bit, which is kind of a weird schedule and a unique schedule. This, this year has obviously been so weird, but maybe something that isn't super new is kind of that weak layoff for the top two teams in the league going straight to the semifinals. Does, I, I mean, I almost hate to bring it up this way, but does, does this year with so many sort of starts and stops and fits and starts with the schedule, maybe help you to kind of know what to do with a week of layoffs so that you can, like you said, focus on yourselves and practice yourselves, not knowing who your opponent is. Yeah. You know, we definitely, we listen, we had this, what was it guys right after the Gonzaga game, we had the, the 10 days or however many days. And so we, we do have a working template that was really successful for us. You know, we got way better. If you guys remember during that 10 day period, we were really chasing games. And so we, we had some slip through our fingers. We had some that we were like, ah, it's not quite right for us. And at the end of the day, I'm so grateful 
that we didn't take a game or that one didn't work out for us because we got so much better. It gave us this really unique window to just work on ourselves and the improvements that the team made are just remarkable. Um, we made huge jumps statistically uh, in, in how we, in how we work together in our confidence level. And so we have, we do have a template to work from the, 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 the trick is, can we reproduce it? Right. And so we're trying to do that in real time. I do think the guys have been pretty solid. I think we've had a chance to get some rest and also get some work in and get a little bit better and really fine tune focus. So um, I do, uh, I do think that the kind of craziness of the season um, has made it so, you know, the postseason is super crazy too, but it seems normal. Like it's like, well, we've done that and we've done that and we've done that. And so there's nothing brand new for us. Um, you know, like the game, the Gonzaga game being rescheduled to a Monday night, you know, the outcome was stunk, but, but, um, but we've been through it before. So it's not something we haven't experienced in terms of having a Monday. And, and um, so, yeah, I do think, I do think it's nice when you roll into postseason, you kind of feel like, well, we've kind of experienced everything there is to experience. So there's nothing that's going to catch by surprise coach is this current starting group of uh barcelo averett loner uh, harms and george is this what you've been searching for all years you've been changing lineups i think i think early on the season i thought that you know i i, I suspected that i hoped that we might be able to get here um uh, but you know, sometimes you can ruin things by rushing them. And that that's a, seems like a really trite statement, but it's a super, super important concept in trying to grow a team. And so, um, we actually ended up going there a little bit earlier than I had hoped because we had, uh, some schedule changes and, um, and so, but I, I do, I think this group has a, I think they can have a real impact on the game early. And then, and then my follow-up rotations, I can actually work guys out. So they're ready to come back in earlier. And I, I, I like the mix match we have right now, the options we have off the bench, when they come off the bench, the, the foul trouble security that I have now off the bench. Um, so, so I do, I like this lineup and They've been really good, man. Man, they've been really good. So they made unbelievable progress. Hopefully we're, we're still getting better. All right, let's take two last questions, one from Jeff and then Mitch. So, Mark, when are you uh, bringing or taking your team down to Vegas? Uh, and how different do you think this whole experience in Vegas will be compared to last year just because of all the issues with COVID? Yeah, we're, it, it's super different. We're going down Sunday night, and I think our idea is like we're going to try and just get – we're going to try and give ourselves the least chance of any outside exposure that we possibly can. So we're going in Sunday night because we have to test at a given time Sunday night. So we're actually going to land, go straight to our testing appointment, and go straight to our rooms and um, just be quarantined there and, and to, except for shoot-around and games. And um, and just we're just taking the, the utmost caution. Uh, you know, that part is, is in the background, but it is um, – you know, we, we, we clearly, we felt the reality of, of losing this opportunity last year, uh, and we'll probably forever be scarred from that. So we're being, uh, incredibly cautious and, and, and trying to, trying to take every precaution possible, including making this as compact, uh, and as a least exposure, um, trip as we can less exposure, least exposure, low exposure, low exposure trip. I was an English major guys at Kentucky. So that should explain a lot. 
There's BYU head coach Mark Pope. When we come back, Joe Ingles. Entertaining as always. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Joe Ingles joined us late in the show Friday, and we want to kick off the week the right way for you early risers. Here's Joe. This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush. And it's time to hear from the best looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle Bells! Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show <laughs> with DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Time to welcome in Joe Ingles. There are so many topics on the table. But first, Joe, how are you enjoying a little downtime? How are you enjoying a little break? Let's Before we worry about the issues, let's worry about Joe. I ain't got no. I ain't got no issues. So I don't know what issues you got, but um, I no. It's it's very nice to be honest. Um, got to spend the whole day at home yesterday with the, the kids, and um, got to drop. I just dropped Jacob at school, which I never really ever get to do, which was nice. And um, I mean, honestly, just to kind of be around the family as much as. Um, I love what I do. It's been, uh, and, I, and obviously this is every team, but it's been a, a bit more of a grind this year. And with the, the testing and all that, we have to test. So we, we do all our usual day of mornings testing, and then we practice, and then we have to go back and test at night between five and seven or whatever it is. So a, a lot more time in the car and out of the house. And um, so I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna use this week to. To actually spend some time with my, I felt like I haven't seen Jack's 15 weeks yesterday, and I felt like I haven't even spent any time with him. So, um, yeah, it'll be a lot of time sitting at home with with the family. So, for you, you staying out of the gym, staying off your feet completely this entire week? Oh, I don't know about that. Um, I said I'll spend more time with the family. I don't think I'll stop. Um, I didn't do anything yesterday, and, and um, I'm not doing anything today. But we'll kind of get back into it on the weekend um, slowly. Um, obviously, it's only a, I think it's a week break we ended up getting. Um, so you don't want to, I mean, everyone's going to, we, we've all got specific kind of schedules to do. Some guys will do more than others. Some guys will do less. Um, obviously, Donovan, those guys have got a, a busy weekend and, and obviously playing the heavy minutes that they play is different to me. I mean, I... I feel really good up to this point. Yeah, I just want to, I guess for me, for, for everybody, but for me personally, I want to make sure I'm still in a good place come Thursday, Friday next week and, and ready to get back into it um, whilst switching off as well for a few days. 
So we know you had to miss some games and it broke your Ironman streak earlier this year. Is a week off good for that injury, or are you 100% and that thing's in the rearview mirror and it doesn't really matter? Uh, I'm going to be honest. Um, I think I'll always, at, at my age and the amount of games we play and our scheduling and stuff, I don't mean I'm in pain or anything like that, but I've got to maintain a certain level of exercise that I do every day. Um, I skipped them yesterday because I was exhausted. We got home at 3 a.m. and the kids ran in at 7 o'clock to wake me up and say good morning. So I missed it yesterday, but I'll, I'll do it today. Uh, I can do it at home and, and stuff like that as well. So um, it, it's something that I'll... I think there's a... Like I said to you guys kind of before, as you get older, you realise there's certain things that you enjoy doing for your body and that, that obviously make you feel good and um, these kind of exercises and stuff that, with my Achilles and my knees and stuff like that is just stuff that I I do every day anyway um, so I'll continue to do that through this break. It's only a kind of 10 15 minute little routine and I can kind of do it anywhere really. So we know what Rudy and Donovan said when they were on the Zoom call the other night after the Philadelphia game. If Joe Ingles would have been on the Zoom call taking questions, what would he have said? I probably would have gone, wow, have they been been fined or will they get fined? Haven't heard. I haven't heard. I'm assuming they're going to get fined, but I haven't heard. Well, if they haven't, my fine would have already been out already. And if it was fine, it would be double whatever they're going to get. <laughs> no, I, I mean, it's... I mean, you get... A part of it, too, is the heat of the moment as well. And obviously, we felt, well, I'm going to have to tip the toe, tip the line here. Um, but, yeah, we, I mean, obviously, obviously, there were some things that went on that we felt could have gone more towards our way than the other way. But a part of that, too, is... Like you try and you try and kind of blank them out. You try and not not let them be a part of it or not let them affect you. But I mean, we're all humans, and things affect us. And we, we think some things go one way, and the other. Like it's just a. I'm sure they're sitting there saying Joe fouled me on this play, or, or Ben got fouled on this, or whatever it is. It's it's a hard. Um, it's a, we're all we've all got tough jobs, including them, but. Um, it is what it is. We'll uh, hopefully after the break, Donovan will calm down and we'll be back to playing basketball again. You know, I don't. Uh, I have never in my life looked at a two-minute report until um, until Thursday. That was the first time, and I, I'm 100 percent serious about this, Joe. The game's over. It doesn't matter what they say, and I, I hear about it third hand, certainly, but I couldn't be bothered to look it up. But I thought, well, this time I have to. This was too big a deal. And they list the, the correct no calls, the correct calls, and the incorrect calls. And the thing about refereeing is, A, they have to let some stuff go because it's entertainment and nobody came to see them blow the whistle. And B, they miss a lot of stuff. And they have the video links to the play. So on this report, you can actually... And you can Google it. Any fan can Google it. Any fan can look at this thing. And I didn't even know. I didn't even know that. Oh yeah, it's out there. You can go and go. And there is a play specifically where, in the last two minutes, Donovan has to go in the back court to get a ball. And some people were wondering if it was over and back. And the refs missed two calls, and they got dinged for it. And one was Bullion traveled, and a hundred percent by the letter of the law, he did. He switched and/or slid his pivot feet. 
and they didn't call it. And uh, the defender was Ben Simmons. Ben kicked the ball, which real time I thought, I think Simmons kicked that. Um, but I wasn't sure because everything happens so fast. And so yeah. to a certain point, they, A, can't call everything because it'll wreck the entertainment. And then, B, they got to choose what to call and what not to. And they just miss stuff. And let's be honest, you guys are part of the problem because not you personally because you're, you know, you're Joe Ingles and, you know, you're the guy. <laughs> but other players try to – foul, My foul is going to be up there. Don't right, exactly. I'm going to be using but other players try to fool the refs, and guess what? Sometimes they do. I think where I had a little um, compassion for you guys is you have to attack the hoop. You can't shoot 83 pointers. And when you do attack the hoop, I thought there were a lot of no calls. It could have been fouls. You could have been at the free throw line. They could have been in foul trouble. Certainly Conley early in the fourth quarter. So I get why that's frustrating, but there's a certain part of me that says, this is never changing. This goes back to Wilt Chamberlain never fouled out in the 60s. I mean, before you were born, this was going on, Joe. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it, it's tough at times. And, and I think, like, like you said, you, you don't want the referees to be involved that much that they're taking over the game. Like, mm-hmm. If you can referee a game and not be noticed and no one even really realizes you're there and the game's a good game, like obviously one team's going to be pissed off because they lost at the end of the day but you you want it to be you want the teams to decide the game you want Ben Simmons versus Donovan in a whatever like whatever the situation is you want that, that's what everybody wants like you said like you want it we, we want it to be free flying we want to get up and down like we um, I also think on the flip side there's calls that are I've never I've never refereed at any type of level so I'm not going to say it's easy but I feel like there's obvious calls that that should get called Kind of no matter what, no matter how free flowing it is, like that was a foul. Like, I know there was one with uh, myself and Embiid where he he ran into me off a post move. I was going to go trap him, and he ran into me, and I I just assumed they were going to call a foul. Like I didn't know what the right call is. Like he swung through and kind of hit me in the chest, and we both I think he fell over. I fell backwards. I just assumed they were going to call a foul on me. It was an, it ended up being a no call. I don't know if it was on a report or no. I wasn't in the the last two minutes. It must have been just before that. But so you, like some of it is, I, I don't know. I, I thought they were, I thought they were going to call a foul. So some of it is what they see and and at the time. But yeah, I mean it, it's it's frustrating when you lose a game like that that you feel like you could have and, and probably should have won. Um, there's also things. On our end, if we just do things a bit better or don't have this turnover, we, we probably get the win as well. So, um, I mean, it's frustrating at times, but like you said, after the game, what are we like? What are we going to do? <laughs> we're in the locker room. We're not going to play another. We're not, two minute reports not going to come out. We're going to suit suit back up for two minutes to replay those those possessions. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll keep. Playing the way we play, we'll keep attacking the hoop, we'll keep shooting our threes, we'll keep defending the way we defend, and um, yeah, hopefully we, we keep winning games. So, as we already said, the two stars come out and they were very vocal. Then LeBron and Durant picked them next to last and last. LeBron says, I want height, and he picks Sabonis when Gobert is still out there. So there's all sorts of disrespect, however much you want it from the Jazz perspective, this small market team, blah, blah, blah. It's out there. How much really does that galvanize, if at all, the team? 
if I could swear on the radio show right now, I would, but I really don't give a... <laughs> Uh-oh, 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 uh-oh. Finish that off however you, uh, whichever word you would like to put in there. Um, I mean, like, again, like, what are, what are we going to do? Like, you want me to text LeBron and tell him, ask him why he said, like, who cares what he said? Like, what, like he's, not on, he's not on my team. Yes, we realize how good a player he is in X, Y, and Z, but they're not on my team. I hope that... Uh, Rudy and Donovan have a uh, have a really good kind of weekend or whatever it is, weekend away. Um, hope coach coaching his first uh, all-star game gets a, a hell of an experience. Maybe coach can bench him after he didn't pick any of our team. Um, but no, I mean, for me, it's all about our guys enjoying what they deserve. Donovan and Rudy deserve it. Obviously, we think uh, Mike should have been in there, but that is what it is, and and coach and, and his coaching staff because we can obviously we're out there and I think coach said it himself like we're the ones that kind of get out there and do what we have to do to win games and puts him in a position to win coach of the month whatever but you got I mean you guys know and, and people closer to our team that have been around our team know how much kind of dedication and time and, and effort he's put in for seven years not just this year so um, yeah hopefully those those guys enjoy the, the the couple days that they're there and um, yeah then we'll get back into it after the break you know, we talk about Quinn and uh, what he is like, and you've had some hilarious bits and all that, and you clearly really appreciate what he's done for a career. But the one thing that we've never talked about um, is inspirational Quinn. And I think sometimes that's what people do intentionally, but it's sometimes just how they are in the moment. And as much as the harping on the referees and all that gets old and it's not why I turn on basketball, i got to say, and I wonder how often this happens with you guys, he was so bleeping furious on a timeout with 10 minutes left of the game tied at 92. And he, the camera cuts to him just as he's flinging his arm. And there is no part of me that thinks he was mad at a jazz player. 100% of me thinks he was mad at a series of calls. And really, he was mad at a series of no calls. And I wonder, to what degree is he inspirational? When or how does he inspire you accidentally or on purpose? I mean... Probably more than not, really. Um, again, you guys have, have been around him and stuff. Like he, just the the time and the effort and the dedication and, and everything. Like he he can. He's one of those. I mean, it's it's probably funny to say because I, I mean myself and Rudy and and Fave to a certain extent have obviously been here the longest. Um, but I've been here coming on seven years and and. Still to this day, I, I mean, I remember the first kind of chat I had with him and, and still to this day, seven years later, like when he speaks, you listen. Like it's not a, and I'm not saying that as in like he's like authority wise, he's bigger than anyone or, or anything like that. But like, he's just one of those guys that when he speaks, you listen and, and he knows what he's talking about. And I've spoken about obviously like when he's individual with one-on-one with me, like the, the confidence that he gives you to go out there and, I remember games so many times that I've, he, he's called me in to sub out, like to sub someone in in the last two minutes or whatever it is, and I'm like, like coach, I don't have it. Like let let player blah 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 stay in. Like they're playing well. Like I just don't. And he's like, no, you like you're going to make a play or like you're going to hit a three here or whatever it is. And obviously a part of of that is a little bit of luck because you got to get the ball or whatever. But 
that confidence to, to like, he, he feels like he knows what he's doing and he wants to put me in or, or whoever it is for a reason. Um, and you're just like, like, hell yeah, like, <laughs> I'm going to make, I'm for sure going to, like, then you get the ball and the confidence that he gives you to, to be in those situations. Um, but even not those situations, like listening to a scout, like you can see how, how much time and effort and the dedication that, that his whole staff's put into that and, and all of that combined, like this, this is, again, like it's kind of weird because for me, it's like it's every day. Like it's not, <laughs> you guys get the media might hear him in, a, in an interview or, or they might catch him on the street prior to COVID. And, but we, we, hear, we get to listen to him every day. Like it's, it's really cool to, to be around a guy like that that's so dedicated and passionate and um, literally would do whatever it takes for, for, for us to win a game. So with that in mind, Joe, do you take it as a personal sense of pride in that Quint Snyder is coaching in the All-Star game because that literally means you have the best record? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's I I kind of went back and forth with him a little bit about this of, of congratulating him. And, and for him, it was like, well, it's, all, <laughs> it's kind of like this silly conversation of like, no, it's you. Like, no, it's you. No, it's you. Like, he just kept saying that the praise of the team and obviously the dedication that we've put in as a team to, to play the way we're playing and um, defend the way we're defending and, and, and have the best record. Like, there's no secrets that we've got the best record. Like, everyone knows that. We know that. Um, it's cool, but it's not, like, what we want to do in the, the scheme of everything. So it, it's gone. And then on the flip side, from my point of view of it, it's like, well, Quinn, like, realise what you've done since you've, like... We were a whole, and no disrespect to anyone prior to this, but when I got, like, we won 20, I think it was 20, whatever it was, 25 games, 20-something games my first year. Like, that's a, that's a, a big uh, jump to where we are now. I mean, we've, we've won, I actually, I've got no idea what our record is now, but I think we've already won 25 games. So, like, it, it, it's a credit to him for, one, for the Jazz to sit him down seven years ago or whatever it was and, and actually sign him and then, Two for, for the process to stick with it and I think it would have been very easy to, to not throw in the towel but the frustration sets in, you're winning 20 games, it's, it's not extremely far, I remember doing, we did the same I mean back in, you guys remember sitting at practice and so like, we did these same drills in the morning every day for probably the first three years defensive drills, this is how I want you to defend, we're going to do this, this is how I want you to close out, this is how like everything to the smallest details and uh, I mean, obviously, a lot of the players that were there aren't here now, but the couple of us that are here, like, we, we still remember it and, and we tell stories. Like, we joke about it with Coach now um, about those days. But, yeah, it's been a, it's been a long time coming, so he, he should be, obviously, extremely proud. And I hope he does take a minute during the game or sometime there to um, to just kind of soak it in and, and appreciate what, what he's brought to this organisation. Just for the record, Joe, you have won 25 games. You have 27 wins and nine losses. You win in 75% of your games. So I had no idea what our record was, to be honest with you. How, how many guys on the team know that? Because the games are coming fast and furious. It's, you know, it's testing, it's practice, it's testing, it's game, it's airplane, it's testing, it's practice, it's airplane, it's testing. You know? And so it, how many guys know that you're 27 and 9? I mean, it's weird, I guess, because it is um, like you – 
you know, like I like I'm not like I know I knew we were top. Like I'm not saying that I've sat here and then oblivious to the whole world of what's going on, but um, yeah, specifically I had no really no idea what we were. Um, but I, like you said, like it's just by the time we get here, test, practice, do whatever we have to do, recover, get home, eat. I go pick up like pick up the kids from school, and then between then and bedtime, it's like a zoo at home. It's just like crazy kids running around and whatever. And then kids go down. I've got to go back and test again, and then come home, have dinner with Renee, and then before you know it, you're going to bed again. So it's not like we're. I'm sure it's obviously different. Like Donovan's going home and probably shooting zombies on his video game for a couple of hours or whatever. Like <laughs> there's definitely guys that probably realise more than than others, but. Coach is the same. <laughs> There's been so many times that coach will come in and be like, I don't know what our record is, but I know we're good. I know we're like top or I know we're like up there, um, which maybe he's just saying that to us. But like we know, we know we're in a good position, obviously, but we've got a lot more to do. So the uh, the goal is a lot bigger than being top in whatever date it is now, middle of all-star break or whatever. Well, Joe, as we head into this time off, Make sure you give my love to Renai and the kids. <laughs> oh, no. I'm definitely not going to do that. <laughs> Why not another day and the kids? <laughs> she might be listening anyway. You might you might have a. She probably won't be listening, but... Renee, enjoy Joe at home during this week, okay? <laughs> I'm sure she will. She'll probably be kicking me out. She'll probably be kicking me out to go back to the gym to the other. Well, when you leave and you hug everybody, just uh, hug the American kid first and a little longer, okay, for PK. Nah, you know what happened yesterday or the day before? Australian passport came through. Ah, there it is. We have it in our hand. The American passport is now in the basement, in the storage, in 11 bags that he will never find. Joe, did you ever hear Bruce Springsteen born in the USA? You can never change that, buddy. <laughs> I don't have to. I don't have to change it, but I can never acknowledge it. Wow! You it, whether you acknowledge it or not, it doesn't matter. It's I'm a fact. That my kid was, is not American. He's Australian. He, born in the USA, Joe, the greatest <laughs> country in the world. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll lose those documents and just keep his Australian passport. No one will ever know. Never know. <laughs> You'll lie to him. You were born in Melbourne. Utah of all places. Holy cow. I know, that's crazy, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Hey, with, with Donovan and, uh, and Rudy getting drafted last, are they insulted by that? Do they think LeBron was messing with him because, uh, you know, he's the big dog and he doesn't want, want any young guns coming for the crown? I mean, I hope they haven't overthought it. Like, I know Rudy won't because Rudy doesn't really overthink too much, but... Um, no, I don't think they would overthink it at all. I think it's, again, it's just one of those things that, like, not that they're just happy to be in the game, but they've, they've I mean, it's obviously a hell of an achievement to, to do what they've done and, and, and get on that team and, and play in the All-Star game. So I think um, at this point, I would hope they're, uh, I don't even know where they both are. Wherever they both are, they're enjoying their break and, and getting some rest and, um, probably laughing about it a little bit, and then they'll they'll go and enjoy the weekend. All right, Joe, you enjoy your uh, time off, and we will talk to you again next week when you get ready to rev everything up. We will. Appreciate it, guys. There is Joe Ingles joining us every week. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Big win for Utah State. Big game for BYU tonight. Stay with us. 
Your day has just begun. Yeah! But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah! Hashtag Utah Jazz. Lillard, another half-court three. And he fades it home! That should go for five points. Oh, gee. Denver's own Jokic drives, feeds Giannis. Reverse dunk from half a foot away. He's 14 for 14. Dave, just inside a half for the win. Yes! Team LeBron wins it! Game time in Atlanta! But I got to pick ass first. I'm definitely... Just blessed to be a part of this, and you know, so it's, it's a sign of the work that our team has put in. People can say what they want to say. I've been, people have been talking to me. People have been talking about me for a while. We didn't play this game to seek the approval of him or anyone else. We're going to go out there and try and win a game, and win a championship. That's the goal, and that's that. Highlights from the All Star Game: Donovan Mitchell not seeking people's approval. Man, you could just see the massive chip on his shoulder right there, PK. You got to be loving that. I I couldn't see it. I didn't see it at all. You didn't see a chip on his shoulder. We don't play the game for his approval or anyone else's. No, I didn't see the video of it. I'm. Oh that. no, no. I'm talking. You could. Okay, you could hear you the hear chip it. on his shoulder. Okay. okay. Yeah, I, I was saying I didn't see the actual. Yeah, I didn't see the stuff. bite either. But boy, oh, okay. you could just okay. hear okay. it in his voice. Okay. All right. Like, all right. Bleep, picking me next to last. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. If you channel it in the correct way, I mean. You can't keep playing the victim here for too much longer. If it drives you and gets you to the top, then play it all the way to the top. (laughs) If it's possible, whatever makes you be the best you can be, I would think at some point it's like uh, if I'm drowning, do I need 10 feet of water? Or if, you know, five feet is maybe good enough here. But if it keeps working for him, and that's the way he responds in an affirmative and makes him better, then, yeah, I'm all for it. Mitchell had 15 points in the All-Star game. Rudy Gobert, 10 points and seven boards. Mike Conley struggled shooting the ball, but he hit one shot, so he scored an All-Star bucket. He got in as the replacement for the replacement late Friday. They interviewed him on TV. He was all sorts of fired up, so good for him. And, of course, Quinn Snyder was there, so plenty of representation. Now a little bit of downtime, and then back to it on Friday. Giannis Antetokounmpo gives the uh, MVP. He scored 35 points. Anthony Simons won the dunk contest. You ever been that high, PK? Yes. Ten feet in the air. Oh, 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 well. Stop. (laughs) Ready to kiss the rim. On life, of course. Of course. Don't break you know. your jaw. Don't lose any teeth. Someone's going to do that, trying to replicate that. Hey, man, let's put the trampoline right Whoa. there. We'll be Simons. No! You think somebody could do that? Off a, off a trampoline, yeah. Kids screwing around or something. Or on an 8-foot rim. No, the list of people who can do that on a 10-foot rim is real short. That's why he won the dunk contest. Yeah, I think they've already been doing that, though. It was impressive. I, I mean, I did watch it, and you could see his face was right there. Yep. Steph Curry edged Mike Conley. He's got a flair for the dramatic. i got to make eight of the last nine. So he makes like six in a row. <laughs> oh, I got a mulligan. I'll just miss this one. So he wins a three-point shootout. Uh, the NBA news over the weekend. Blake Griffin bought out in Detroit is going to Brooklyn to play for the Nets. 
after they bought out the last two years in Detroit. Don't know how much he's got left. He's going to be a small ball center from what I've read, PK. A guy who is known for his incredible athleticism coming out of college and a number one pick, and now he hasn't dunked in more than a year. So don't know what's left in those knees, but the Nets will give it a shot. That's worth the shot. I don't know if he's going to make a difference, just maybe here or there. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. Kata has the double team. Hands it to Anthony. Three seconds, two seconds. Anderson for three. Yes! Alfonso Anderson buries the three. Aggies up two, 50-48. Four seconds, three seconds. Wooster for three. Yes, sir! Raleigh Wooster puts the Aggies up five with 37 seconds left. And the Utah State Aggies complete the comeback down 27 to 17 at halftime. A miserable offensive first half. Pretty good defense, though. 27 points and a half. You'll live with that. And then they held them to 24 in the second half, and they come back and get the win. When you're banking in three pointers midway through the half, maybe you start midway through the second half. Start feeling like maybe it's your night, PK. And the no, Aggies actually, get I it think done. that uh, both teams banked one in in that second half. So. Uh, sort of canceled each other out. I mean, Fresno's not a good ball club, and Utah State is much better for sure. And here we are again. San Diego State 1, Utah State 2. It seems like we've been down this road <laughs> right? Uh, last few seasons, and if they have a game like they had last year, that would be incredible. So, I mean, they got an opportunity to win it. They probably got just as much opportunity as, as anybody else does. Tournament will start Wednesday. Aggies will play Thursday night, 7 o'clock. Scotty G will have the call pregame probably about 6.30 right here on the Zone Sports Network. Now, for the other schools, uh, Utah blew out Arizona State 98-59. PK, it's been a weird year for both these teams, so why not play a completely weird game? A 39-point blot? You didn't see that coming, did you? Uh, literally, I was on the golf course. <laughs> Utes uh, finish the regular season 11 and 12, 8 and 11 in conference. They're going to be the number seven seed in the Pac 12 tournament. Coach Larry Kristoviak is going to join us coming up at 9.05. Uh, thing about this one, you know, they got Washington, who sucks, and yeah. then they already beat SC. So, an opportunity to win two ball games there, maybe. You never know. Wednesday, 5 o'clock for Utah and Washington. Certainly the first one. I would be very, very surprised if they did not win that first one. Yeah, you ought to get the first one. Washington seated lower than they are. They're the favorite. Yeah. Southern Utah won their first ever Big Sky regular season title. They were out at Portland State 73-54. Weber State had the regular season finale against Northern Colorado. Canceled 45 minutes for tip-off. They're going to be the three seed. Eastern Washington's the two seed. Seems like one of those three teams ought to win that tournament. Wouldn't think somebody else is going to come in and beat two out of those three teams. So those are kind of the big three there. BYU, they don't have to wait. Everybody else, you know, it's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and all that. Uh, BYU's playing Pepperdine tonight, 10 o'clock. ESPN2, semifinals of the WCC tournament. Gonzaga ought to win their game in a blowout at 7. Well, I think BYU will win in a blowout and then they'll lose tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, the other tournament is the WAC. UVU split their series with Grand Canyon. So they split the the two games set. They are they win their first ever WAC regular season title. Wolverines will be the two seed in this week's WAC tournament. Now the WAC is basically Big Sky in terms of there's one team going. Yep. And we'll see if those two meet again in the final Saturday. They're seeded into the semis. It's only a six team tournament, and they'll be seated into the semis on Friday.
New Mexico State has been dominating that league, but uh, they're 500 in the league this year, and they are the three seed, so UVU could see them in the semis. But they're not as good. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Time is of the essence for him. If they're already entertaining all these other options like they are, if they could have gotten rid of them now already, I think they would have. So they're working with what they have right now, and and that just shows you what his trade value is. I think it should be better than that, but unfortunately it's not right now. So he's they just got to do something fast to get him out of there. Mark Sanchez says the Jets need to move Sam Darnold, and maybe after the draft will be possible, PK. I'm kind of thinking with potential trades out there, everybody's looking to see, well, are Seattle Houston going to move their guys? And then who's going to get the top quarterbacks in the first round of the draft? And maybe after all that settles, somebody will realize, okay, he's our best bet. But right now, they're thinking something else is going to break their way. Okay. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Honestly, I just try to forget forget about last year. You know, last year I had high numbers or whatever, but just try to forget about the year and then just look at look at old film, work, look at what I need to work on for right now, you know, because there's all, always something to work on, especially with spring ball starting up. We were like in the third day right now, you know, and I still have stuff to work on. So, you know, just perfecting that until next season is my goal right now. That's Tyler Algeo right there. Doesn't want to look back at 2020. Looking to improve in 2021. It's a different deal. Forget about it. He's turned the page. Apparently okay. not resting on his laurels. His laurels, huh? His laurels. Okay. <laughs> Kansas has placed head football coach Les Miles on administrative leave. The university will conduct a full review to determine the appropriate next steps. Geox Athletic Director Jeff Long said in a statement, there's a lot of uh, media blowback, and the, uh, it's a, Miles' attorney, Peter Ginsburg, categorized it as being disturbing and unfair. So we'll see if he stays at Kansas, and Kansas continues to struggle for more than a decade now. We don't uh, have anything on Puka Nakua putting himself into the transfer portal? I don't know why he didn't put that in there. You were the guy who put it out there on Twitter. I mean, it's been rumored for a while. He's officially in the portal. He's in the portal. And he's going to BYU? Puka Mm -hmm. and Samson. Looking like a decent opportunity that both could be in pro. Together again! Did they ever play together before? No. Uh, in high school, they're too far apart, weren't they're they? They're too far apart in high yeah. school, yeah. Okay, so they're going to get a year together. Uh, together again, like they were at home at the dinner table in junior high. <laughs> for Thanksgiving, I got you. Yeah. Uh, I, but I, I didn't know if they had played together on the football field. Uh, yeah, but I, I think it would probably categorize them as the leader in the clubhouse, but, you know, I'm not going to report it until it actually Never is done, done until it's done. I mean, I could tell you a couple years ago, BYU thought they had a transfer receiver. And it got next, yes. Uh, and, it, and it did, and, and that kid went on and, and had a phenomenal senior season some other place. Uh, so, I it don't know. It isn't done until the T's are crossed and the yeah. I's are dotted and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, he can, if he's healthy and lives up to his billing, boy, he could be a real good addition to the team. I guess the thing you can say is that there had been rumors that Samson... <laughs> Well, the rumor was they were going to end up together and that Samson might be going to Washington, but that wasn't clear. Maybe they were both going to BYU. This is all rumor, and nobody really wants to run with it. But now that Puka's in the transfer, it seems like that rumor is in the transfer portal. But you can be in the transfer portal and go back. But it would seem like that isn't happening. 
But again, be careful about getting too far in front of this. Oh, thing. you were in front of it. You yeah, told me right. weeks ago. I did tell you weeks. Well, I told you weeks ago about Samson wanting to, yeah, transfer and play with Poop. Told me weeks ago. I did. Look at you, man. But I, but I didn't want to go on the air with it because you never know with this stuff. Tennessee's notified former interim head football coach Kevin Steele. He will not be retained on Josh Heupel's staff, but he will receive his full $900,000 salary over the next two years after less than two months on the job. Man, they really want him to go away. You haven't really done all that much, but here's here's nine hundred grand. Go away. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that's in the contract, though, and they have to. Yeah. He was hired by Tennessee as a defensive assistant while Jeremy Pruitt was still the head coach and Philip Fulmer was still the athletic director. Six days later, Pruitt got fired and Philip Fulmer stepped down. So, all right, DJ and PK. That's a lot of money. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Right by him for a strike and Trevor Bauer. I figured if they can't score off me with... One eye open. It's going to be difficult to score off me with two eyes open. So just having a little bit of fun. Trevor Brower, just screwing around out there, PK, having fun. Yeah, he's an odd duck. <laughs> right. And so you're you're going to get that, and they knew. But he's really good, so he can get away with it. Uh, the one-eyed close, it reminds me, they had a pitcher, Dodgers did, named Jim Gott. And his wife uh, had, uh, had one eye. And she was a beautiful woman. And uh, the guys on the team, they really noticed that she was such a beautiful woman. And they went up, one of his teammates went up to him and said, yeah, ain't no woman like the one I had got. Seriously? Apparently. All right, I'll go with seriously. No, it's a joke. Not serious. See, she had one eye, yeah. and she was beautiful. Uh-huh. The one eye, right. and her last yeah, name was I got, Gott. I got it. I got it. G-O-T-T. You know, the right. one-eyed Gott. Yeah. See, yeah. You see what I'm saying? I did. I got the lyrics. <laughs> Indians third baseman Jose Ramirez. DH from Milres have been isolated for their teammates at spring training after breaking COVID-19 protocols. Manager Terry Francona said Francona said Reyes drove to the Indians exhibition game on Friday in Mesa, went to get a haircut following the 10-4 win, and told the Indians he and Ramirez then went out to dinner and were indoors, which violates COVID-19 guidelines established by Major League Baseball and the Players Union. Both will be in isolation until the team gets word from the league as to when they can rejoin the club. And back to Jim Gott. Southern California kid who committed to play linebacker in football for your Brigham Young University Cougars. Did but, you know that? No, I did not. Yes. And he was also recruited to play, of course, on the school's baseball team. But and opted okay. to go pro. Got drafted. Cardinals drafted him in the fourth round. So he did not follow through with his commitment to attend BYU, but he could have been a linebacker. He could have been Kyle Woodingham's teammate at BYU. Would have been second string or played outside linebacker. (laughs) Not moving Kyle. Well, depending on what went on down there. Now, Gott's brother played 
golf at BYU. How about that? Probably pretty good then. They've had some pretty good golf teams. It's been in the years he was there, but still. Yeah. And. Play for Carl Tucker. In case you're wondering, he has six kids. I wasn't. Are you just reading the Wikipedia page? No, I just know that. <laughs> oh, okay. I played for the Dodgers, and I covered some Dodger baseball. Fair enough. I just figured you were on the Wikipedia page just throwing out random facts. Well, I just would randomly look up Jim Gott. Yeah, he's not me. Come on. Give him some credit. No, I talked to Jim Gott back when he was, uh, he pitched a little bit for the Dodgers. I think he was there probably three or four years. He bounced around. He had a long career as a MLB pitcher. But yeah, I had le- I'd learned in doing research about him a long time ago uh, that he had committed to play football at BYU. So yeah, heck, obviously a very good athlete there. And Bob Brenly had told that joke about the one-eyed guy. I think they were teammates somewhere along the line. I think they uh, both played for the Giants and maybe even Toronto. Old friends. And he told that one-eyed got joke. And since Trevor Bauer did that, I just thought of it. And I thought it was worth it on a Monday morning. You're always telling me, and lighten up. I lighten up, and then you're practically crapping my face. <laughs> that does sound like something that was uh, cooked up on some bus ride or some plane trip, right? <laughs> Guys well, sitting around the, in the dugout yeah. killing time. I thought the folks around here would like to know if, that they would find that interesting, that Jim got long ago, he's in his 60s probably by now, that... Uh, he would be, uh, he was recruited to play linebacker at BYU and signed, committed to play linebacker at BYU, but then went to to the pros baseball draft and obviously made the right decision, played in the big leagues for a number of years. All right, DJ and PK, that is what is training and is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, we've got Steve Cleveland here. The Monday visit with a basketball insider. That's at 8.05. Larry Kristoviak, Utah men's basketball coach. Coming up at 9.05 right here on 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Hot Texture Toast brought to you by Jerry Seiner Cadillac. Check out the bold new lineup of Jerry Seiner Cadillac. It's definitely not your grandpa's Cadillac. Time for the question of the day. Fresh off the All-Star game. Well, how about that game? How about that weekend? How y'all feeling out there after All-Star weekend was just wedged into about five hours? If it taught me anything, PK, it's that we don't need a whole weekend. Only TNT does. Oh, I think I already knew that, but yeah, right. fine. Yeah. Now you've lived it. But if they wanted to spread it out over a couple of days, I didn't, I didn't have a problem with that. If that's what they wanted to do and celebrate the league a little bit. I don't know if they had uh, their usual, probably didn't. I know they have alumni meetings and union and all that stuff going on. So it's like a little convention like the final four, the uh, you know, the coaches always go down, wherever it might be, and they get together uh, on that. Football, college football has a coaches convention, uh, usually a, a week or two after the, the final game is played. So you can use that in conjunction. But the actual event, I, I actually liked it. 
better on the same thing before. I'm, I can't remember the last time I watched the dunk contest or I watched the you know the skills and the shooting thing. Uh, but since it was all condensed right there, and there was uh, well, there was other stuff on. Uh, I, I watched a little bit of Oregon, Oregon State, Pac-12 women's uh, had their thing going on. Stanford wins again. They're they're really good and have been for a number of years. So I was flicking around a little bit. No Oprah? I'm not into that. <laughs> People playing. The, I'm so, I mean, who's the victim today? I mean, just everybody's a victim these days. I didn't expect that you watched that. Uh, so, no, not not literally not Do, one second. How much time have the two of us spent talking about the royal family in the history of this show? No, I don't pay it this much. <laughs> yeah, the, right. the big goose. Egg. And then they're then they're victims. I mean, I, my victim quota is really really running out here. But that's just me. And you want to play the victim? Go ahead. I, I'm, I'm immune to it at this point. Uh, so no, I didn't watch not didn't watch a second of that. I watched something on the ESPN. They had like uh, the goats, and I was fascinated by this photographer. And Kobe Bryant was on there talking about, uh, you know, with cell phones, everybody's a photographer. But he was saying it was so superficial. But this photographer that they were talking about captures your soul. And I'm watching this thing, thinking a couple of things. I can't believe he's still not alive. And secondly, what a tragic loss to mankind because Kobe Bryant's intelligence and his ability to speak and say it in, in a manner that uh, so so eloquent and so true and so accurate. It's just it's a tremendous loss to mankind. Obviously, to his family, it's a thousand times greater. But to the rest of us, all that he could have contributed, he know his basketball stuff was done. It spoke for itself. But all the stuff he could have contributed in life would have been, especially with all the stuff going on, I would have loved to have heard what he thought about all this stuff because the man had supreme intelligence. I mean, on his SATs or whatever the thing is where you score in the in the hundreds. Uh, as I think it was 1,600 when he was yeah, taking it. Now it's yeah. 24. They've changed okay. it. Well, I mean, he had some Whatever, he had score. a massive score, yeah, right? Yeah. So he's just a brilliant person, and what a loss. And I'm listening to him speak, and it just it's just shocking to me. That uh, And we're a year removed of it. So I was flicking around that. But I did enjoy the actual competitions of that other stuff a little bit more because it was on a more convenient time for me, uh, a Sunday. You know, I'm probably not going to go out to eat with friends or what have you as opposed to a Saturday. Yeah, and even if you were at home on a Saturday, there'd be BYU and Utah and Utah State playing on a Saturday night. It's going to be distracting. That's, that's stuff you're going to have to follow, and that's going to beat All-Star Saturday night. Uh, in your book, probably yeah, sure, uh, I would agree with that. Uh, so and, and and there was really nothing that I was glued into, but I did watch it. I did watch that kid throw down the dunk and put on the Tracy McGrady jersey, and uh, you know, that was fun. It was I enjoyed it, and didn't, I didn't think I would because I hadn't been paying attention to it at all. But I did yesterday. I don't know if that's something they want to consider. I mean, who cares what I think? But for me, it worked. Feedback from the people. Overall, Brad says, the game wasn't bad. And it was great to see Mike participate. A lot of people feeling good for Mike Conley getting in on Friday night. Todd says, I wish Conley could have won three-point contest. So close. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would have really been fun for him, for sure. Uh, because and I appreciate his stated desire. I don't think any less or more of Mike Conley 
today than I did uh, Friday when we did the show, when we didn't know that Booker was going to have a sprained knee and Conley was going to get the call to go. But if it mattered to him, so be it. Uh, great. Good for him. And and it would have been fun if he could have won that because I'd imagine he'd won. Anybody who enters is going to want to win, that's for sure. So uh, I pre- I'm appreciative of his desire. It's like uh, he was like a little kid in that way. Yeah, I want to make the all-star team. I mean, what kid in Little League or whatnot, if you ask them, yeah, you want to make the all-star team? Yeah, that'd be sweet. <laughs> and it's like he's a man who's 33 years old. You want to make the all-star team? Yeah. So the little kid in him is something that I think we can appreciate the honesty and the innocence of it. And they interviewed him before the game, and he was obviously really happy to be there. And I know other guys view it as a chore, and they've done it a lot. But they'll go out and say the right things, but the kind of look on their face is like, yeah, okay. But he was beaming. He was pumped. Well, he seems to be very sincere in his media interviews. In the time that he's been here with the team, anyway. I don't know what he was doing in Memphis. Probably the same thing. Uh, but he seems very sincere and honest in the way he speaks and is open uh, about it. And, and he expressed a desire to want to go. And, and good. So, yeah, sure. In that little kid way, I'm happy for him, too. Rick says it was kind of boring. Just seems like there's no defense, no competition. And Tony says it's time to get rid of it. It's just a way for someone to get hurt. Well, they're not getting hurt, Tony, because they're not really competing. Back to Rick's point about no competition, no defense. That's how you might get hurt. So they eliminated that part. <laughs> Don't get too close to somebody. Well, the idea of getting hurt, I mean, so what do you do in the offseason? You don't play pickup games? You don't you, you don't uh, practice on your own and all that stuff? I mean, to get, get hurt. It's any number of chances and opportunities you have to get hurt. And, uh, I, don't, I don't think you can live your life, well, I can't do this because I might get hurt when you're in your 20s and 30s. Now, I'm not talking about running with the bulls. or Which, uh, wow, the best man, Pamplona! The best man at my wedding did do. Uh, by the way, he did uh, run with the bulls. He was uh, an adventure seeker. Uh, so... Uh, you got to get out there and work out. And, and the, you know, I think the league needs a showcase. Really? Yeah, I do. I don't. Everybody else is doing it. Why shouldn't you do it? You yeah, would, and then the, would, NFL, would, the NFL doesn't do it, and it's fine. It's What they need it for is uh, their, the corporate partners, and the, I think they all like that stuff. And so... It's great for the high mucky mucks who get some all expenses paid trip on, on the work account, and I guess if that helps them close deals or uh, price deals a little higher because they probably have sponsors anyway, but maybe they get to price them a little higher. Then that's I think that's what they need it for. If they name the all star teams and there were no games, and they took off the middle of one week because weekend games draw the best, I think the league would be great. It'd be fine. Okay, you you must have missed when we had the celebration here when Salt Lake got the All-Star game. It was a massive deal. Nope, we didn't miss it. I was standing next to you, and you know I was. So <laughs> We were in the back. That was, that was just a big, big deal. Don't you remember the former mayor who was just telling everybody we were woke, mentioning her wife 500 times, and 
how you can get alcohol here. I mean, that's in the atrium. I was there. <laughs> We're cool people. We're not all Mormons. <laughs> Why did she just say that? Yeah, oh, she kind of did. Well, get to the point. If you're going to say it, get to the point. That would have been no nope, politicians. <laughs> they don't do that. Don't do that. Dance around it. So, yeah, I, I, and to say the NFL doesn't have it, I'm not sure that's true. I mean, the Super Bowl is the biggest event in the world, and or at least in our country. I don't want to offend you, soccer people. Uh, so, and and it goes on for two weeks practically. So they do have a showcase event, and the NBA Finals isn't. A, a bunch of parties in the way the Super Bowl is. So that's what the NBA needs to do. And MLB in the middle of the summer, I mean, that tiny sport that's going away for those people who are interested in it, it's a big deal. And every seat is always sold. Freaking for the home run deal, usually every seat is sold. So you need a showcase event. And, and I think the NBA does need it. Yeah. And it gets to present itself in a positive manner. I, I think it's good for the league. The game's the game, but the showcase event. I thought this one on the one day right before and then during with the with the dunk was the best that they've had. At least it, it caught my attention more than it normally does. Joe says NBA, all-star games, terrible product. I'd rather go dress shopping with my wife than watch that nonsense. Well, that's a great thing. You have that opportunity to do that. Three thumbs down. (laughs) Well, it depends on what you're looking for. Cocktail dress at Kmart? If I'm going to go to a soccer game and expect the score to be 10 to 8, I'm going to be disappointed. If I'm going to go to an NBA all-star game and expect the score to be... Uh, 98 to 94, I better realize that's probably just halftime. I mean, they're not going to dig in. That's not going to happen. So I, I think it depends on what your expectation is. And the game is the game, and it's probably not going to change. But I think the actual event, the day's events, worked better for me this year than it has spread over multiple days. Kevin says, how can you root for a team when your guys are split up? Go back to East and West. Kevin wants his tradition back. I don't want the East and West because that means I'm obligated to have the Eastern All-Stars equal the same as the Western All-Stars. And if you're going to equal that, then I agree. Go back East versus West. But if you're going to split it up, then don't have East versus West. Have the... Whoever uh, coaches vote and, the, and the, the voting combined with the coaches, they're the ones, I guess, who select the reserves, have what you perceive as the best 24 as opposed to having to have somebody from a particular conference when you don't play the East versus the West. My wife walked in, and I was talking to her, and she was surprised that there wasn't East. it wasn't East versus West. I said, no, they have this draft. And she actually, she learned of the draft the other day when all the hubbub of uh, Mitchell and Gobert going last and next to last. And so uh, she, she thought that they were literally the last two chosen to be on the team. And I said, no, that's not the way it works. It was their le- the way the draft was in East versus West. They don't have that. They mix it up. So it doesn't make any sense to mix it up 
and then but name them East versus West. That's inconsistent. I would like to see that consistency uh, established. And so don't have East versus West since you aren't playing East versus West. And then we could have 17 or 18 guys from the West where there are more good teams and a longer list of the better players. Presumably, yes. Throw in your six or seven guys from the East. That would make more sense in that way, I, I would think. I think that's a, and that's a tweak. It's not. I don't think anybody's going to care on that, right? I wouldn't think people would. Players care, would in they? the East who <laughs> are less likely to get their All Star bonus. Other than that, I wouldn't think anyone would care. Maybe teams in the East who wouldn't be able to pub their guys as All Stars and sell them that way. I guess that's probably what's holding it back. Uh, sure. Yeah, I, I guess so. But, I mean, to see the Celtics, a team that is just not very good this year, have two All-Stars, which would have been the same as the Jazz, if not for Booker. Makes no sense. It, it doesn't to me. The Celtics no. are two games over five hundred, yeah. And to the point about the East sucking, that's fourth place in the East. They're fourth in the East at 19 and 17. You're two games over five hundred in the West. You're the Dallas, Dallas Mavericks, and you're eighth. With one right. all-star. Right. Porzingis is a great example. In the East, he probably would be an all-star. He's got to stay healthy enough uh, to get into year. a game. Um, but he seems to have some level of stardom. I don't know, rubbed off because he's played in New York or something. Because uh, he's tall. and, yeah. and, and I mean, He's good when he's healthy, but he just hasn't been healthy that much. Yeah. Uh, so when he's not really played on a winner, uh, and Doncic is that team. So yeah, that, that that's the one that I would make that tweak. To me, that seems common sense. Ralph says I didn't tune in even with four jazz players, which Jeff four. had to say uh, it was only three, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and Ralph said, "Up, oh, I threw the coach in there. My bad." Four representatives is what he meant. Players wasn't the perfect word. Four representatives. Well, that's your choice. They took a shot of Quinn. He's sitting over there on the sideline, masked up, not doing much because it's the All-Star game. What is there to do? Then they take a shot of Doc. He's sitting over there on the side just kind of looking around. Good old Glenn. Third All-Star game. What are you doing? Not much. Rotating the minutes. Nothing else to do. (laughs) Well, if I were those guys, the best thing about it is uh, you're that much closer to the Caribbean. Oh, they got you to an Atlantic. Hop on a quick flight. Yeah. Had to go through Atlanta anyway. <laughs> yeah, if you chart. Although Atlanta to Puerto Rico is actually longer than Salt Lake to Atlanta. Time to go to the Keys. Having made that flight. It's way out there. Yes, it is. I was surprised. Got to fly out there past the end of uh, Cuba. Back in the day when I uh, did a lot of flying for the Watchdog. Flew first class, both legs. Oh, look at you, big time. Okay. Well, I used to get upgrades. Absolutely. I mean, I was flying. I was traveling a lot for football and basketball. And so that was, uh, well, I'd been the Caribbean multiple times with uh, both BYU and Utah. They would play in those tournaments there. So uh, if I was Quinn Snyder, uh, I would do that for a couple of days. Go go where it's warm and just uh, vegetate for a couple of days, as you should, uh, and it's a very uh, high-intensity 
labor-inducing work hours. I mean, I can't imagine the amount of hours he must work during this during the season, and really year-round. It's not like uh, you're just sitting there with your feet up the, once the season ends. You're, you're putting in a lot of hours uh, to to maintain and get better and all that stuff. So if he had a couple of days to have some chillaxification, I would Somewhat. certainly chillaxification. That's wow. a Kenny Chesney song uh, that he has out. It's a very good tune, actually. And so he talks about chillaxification. Coming back, Yak. So have some chillaxification uh, for uh, for himself and his family or whatever he may choose. I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know if he's going to fly back. It's already home and is back in the grind, uh, setting up practice schedules and reviewing film. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me though if that's what he was doing. Uh, wow, we've lost uh, two or what they lost two in a row and three out of four, whatever it was. So yeah, we got to get back. And so. He's he's as we speak. He's sitting in front of a front of a projector. <laughs> that wouldn't that wouldn't surprise me either. Tell you the truth. Uh, he's got he's got little kids, so that might be the way that goes. Or he could head to the Bahamas. Yeah, that sounds like fun. That's not nearly as far as Puerto Rico. Oh no no not at all. I've been there. I, I no that's. Uh, I, that's practically the U.S. I'm surprised it's not a U.S. territory, actually. Yeah. Right off the end of Florida there. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, there's some of your reaction to the All-Star game. Steve Cleveland is coming up, and there's another jazz story out there that, you know, it's. I don't normally tie the jazz to the governor of New York, but this weekend I did, and we'll get to that coming up. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, embarrassed on a national stage. Taken last, they probably feel like they were slighted. You go back to February 24th, Jazz, they beat the Lakers by 25. Yes. LeBron does not like getting his nose rubbed in anything, let alone a 25-point beatdown to the Utah Jazz. This is psychological warfare. Utah Jazz players, play with that extra edge, that mentality, that physicality that you'll be unstoppable and avenge the city. There would never be a better time for the Utah Jazz to win a championship so we could all look at the rest of the country and be like, ha! See? You don't got to be number one or two market in the country to have a championship team. Hanson Scotting weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision, giving you 1,000 reasons to get rid of those contacts or glasses. That's $1,000 off LASIK. Start your road to better vision at davisvisionmd.com or call them at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. All right, so I mentioned before the break, I don't often think of the uh, hear about the governor of uh, New York and think about the Utah Jazz, but I did this weekend, PK. There's more allegations of sexual harassment coming out against the governor of New York. A second person, a third person have come forward, and he's saying he's not resigning, and that story will go wherever that story goes. And, but it made me think of the Jazz because we heard the allegations from Elijah Millsap towards Dennis Lindsay. And when one of these comes out, and you know this because you've been in the media a long time, there's a couple things that happen. One, you hear from uh, when, when it's in the he said, he said phase, sometimes you've heard stuff leading up to it. And so it comes out and it's not a huge surprise. And I'd never heard anything like this uh, leading up to it. So this, this was a surprise because I hadn't 
Had, hadn't heard anything along these lines about Dennis. And then, but once one comes out, then you wait to see, are there going to be more allegations? Are more people going to come forward? And you can probably think of a bunch of allegations and alleged scandals or real scandals, and here's the news trickles out, and then there's a second one, and then there's a third one. But we haven't heard any more of that about Dennis. And I don't know where this is going. The investigation goes on, and they got a lot of players and ex-players to talk to, and they got a lot of front office people and ex-front office people to talk to and track all this stuff down. I don't know if they'll go to his previous jobs, too. Uh, maybe they will. Those are a while ago now. So, But there's a lot of people to talk to. But we're not hearing anything trickle out, and we're not hearing that second and third allegation come forward the way we, do, we have in New York. Maybe we just haven't yet. Maybe, I mean, who knows where this is going. But it did get me thinking that we haven't heard anything with this, and I wonder if we're going to. Because you would think if this were a pattern of behavior, we heard, would have heard more. And maybe, maybe it did happen. It's just a one-off incident. But the stuff about Cuomo this weekend got me thinking about that and thinking, it's been pretty quiet here lately. Yeah, I don't know what to say to that, man. Because <laughs> yeah. we, weren't, we weren't in the room and we don't know what happened or didn't happen. I don't know what is a pattern in these situations. If someone who does this, whatever it might be, do they do it multiple times? Uh, is it once? I don't, I don't know. What do, what do uh, those people who deal professionally think about that? I can't say that that is uh, something that should be. If you did it once, and I'm not saying Dennis did it by any stretch, not, not at all. But uh, if, if someone did it once, that would be one time too many. There's no question, but the point being, has research shown if you did it, are you likely to be a serial offender? There's got to be some research there is what I'm saying. I'm not talking about Dennis Lindsay at all. No, I'm talking about do people who deal in this stuff, whatever whatever form of uh, abuse or illegal behavior. Uh, whatever, whatever allegation. Whatever, whatever it might it is. be. Yeah. Is there, has research shown that this is a situation where you got caught, you know, if you use, if you get a uh, driving while intoxicated, is that something that is a one-time deal? Has research shown that it's probably 20 times, but that's the time you get, I have no clue what that would be in that way. I can't answer that whatsoever. I don't know the slightest thing about it. That's what I'm saying. There's probably yeah. studies that people, that, and I'm speaking generally. I'm not speaking to any specific incident here. So uh, this Cuomo thing, what are they up to? Four women now? Is there a fourth? I didn't know. I, I saw a report so, about a third. That's and okay. that was. I don't know. I'm asking. I don't know. I don't know either. I'm now, not following that close. But is there was... that a pattern? If you've done that, just deal with that. Just just use mm-hmm. that. If you have sexual harassment from a person, a man of authority to a subordinate, or it doesn't even have to be a, someone that you're working with. It could be a, 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 some type of relationship, whatever it might be, whatever connection there is. Has the folks who deal with that, do they know that research has shown them that it isn't isolated? Once a man does that, is he more likely? Is there usually in those situations three or four or five others? Who's that... Uh, 
the director, the dude, he uh, he got uh, convicted, didn't he? The producer. Yeah, was one or two women came out, and then all of a ran, sudden, ran movie movie studios. Yeah. Yeah. What's his name? Uh, I don't I don't, I don't I don't follow movie producers, so I don't know. I don't know the guy's Harvey name. Uh, Harvey Weinstein. Wallbanger? No, oh, Harvey Wallbanger. <laughs> Harvey, famous Harveys. Ready? Weinst- go. Weinstein, right? Yes. Harvey. I don't Weinstein. know. I don't. I don't know his name. It is. It's Harvey Weinstein. I just yes. remember that that was a big story. Now all of a sudden, or and Bill Cosby, wasn't there multiple there too? Yeah. yeah so that's just two examples. But is that? Is that typical of, of a situation involved in that? That's for the psychologists and the experts and all those people who study that type of stuff and have an idea of what they're talking about. The, they know that this is if you go down that road, do you go down all the way in terms of doing several different is, multiple is, times? Yeah. yeah, is that what Les Miles is involved in now? Is there is there multiple uh, ladies and people at LSU? That led to the suspension here while in he's Kansas. in Kansas. Yeah, is that so? To me, I actually hadn't thought about it, but now that I think about it, is that if you do it once, is you, are you more likely to do it ten times, twenty times? Uh, more likely, but no guarantee. I, I, I yeah. have no idea. And, and the other thing we don't know is, as they investigate, we don't know what kind of responses they're getting. You know, maybe that quietly they're you know. Just, so people might be willing to tell the investigator stuff that they don't want to go out and throw out there on media or social media or whatever. Yeah. So and we got to sit back and watch. But I did think, as I saw the Cuomo thing <clears throat> kind of uh, playing out here and, and additional people coming forward, you know, that's not anything we're seeing here. Uh, not that we're aware of, no. Not that I we're mean, aware I don't, of, I don't right. know the status of the investigation whatsoever. I don't know where it is or haven't heard anything. The yeah. thing that I would like to see, you know, if it's, if it's false— Assume it's uh, Dennis Lindsay categorically denied it, right? Right, he did. And yes. that, that's strong language. So assume for sake of argument, just for the sake of argument, that what he said is accurate. What's the f- blowback on the people? What's the blowback? Mason Rudolph, uh, what was the, the, the defensive end from uh, Texas A&M? Miles Garrett. Okay. Now, he says Mason Rudolph called him the N-word. And what has been the blowback for Miles Garrett? Uh, Where did this go? I'm not aware of any. Yeah, Yeah. so you can say stuff and nothing? Britton Johnson, and I spoke to, I just uh, golfed with Britton Johnson just here recently, and we were talking about that incident at the Final Four. And and the and the player has since apologized to Britain and they've established a relationship. But at the time, what was the the penalty? There's nothing. But yet, if Britain had said it, oh my gosh, that would have been a major. Said he would resign right on the spot if 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 the young Britain would have said it. And I don't think Britain's ever even thought of that word once coming across his mind. So I'm just wondering. You know, when we make these allegations, if they're not true, what happens to the person who says it? Now, I, I don't know whether my, what happened here. So I'm not condemning Elijah Millsap by any stretch. But I'm just wondering what kind of blowback, what's the consequence for false accusations? Well, the Britain case you brought up, I wasn't aware of any. You know, there was subsequently an apology. Okay, well, how about... But I wasn't aware of any. Miles Garrett. 
Uh, I'm not aware of any. I think he got suspended, but that he didn't he smack him with the helmet. Yeah, that got ugly. Yeah. So there he was, was some, on, on. I mean, on the field, he was suspended full, for the remainder of that season. Full view of TV cam for smacking the guy with the helmet, yeah, right? Yeah. For using a helmet as a weapon. Yeah. I just think. Uh, you know. All right, we got to take a break here. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, joins us next. Larry Kristoviak at 9.05 on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Zero Res. Dirt, dust, dander, and allergens are no match for Zero Res carpet cleaning. Want the contaminants gone? Call Zero Res. Right now, just $33 per room to get your carpets Zero Res clean. But minimums apply. Call them at 801-288-9376 or schedule online at Zero Res Carpet Cleaning. Time to welcome in our basketball insider, Steve Cleveland. Steve, good morning. Good morning, fellas. Steve, it's that time of year. It's March. It's madness. You feeling it? <laughs> you know, I'm feeling it. Uh, I'll, I, I'll, I'll be interested to see what the games feel like as we watch them, but I'm excited to see the teams play. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's, just, it's just been so different this year. Um, but... Yeah, this is a great time. It's probably, uh, I don't know, the least climatic. I, I'm thinking the NCAA tournament when they're in the bubble in Indiana, that, that'll be kind of special. But uh, it's hard to really, really jump into this thing unless you have a favorite team or a favorite player. And obviously I got, you know, I'm, I'm following uh, BYU. I'm following Fresno State. I mean, I'm following teams that I know. I have friends' teams. But it, it isn't quite like it's been in the past. Um, it's just, just not having fans. Uh, yeah, the game's pure, and I love watching the game, but there, that's a missing piece that uh, makes this a special time. Not yeah, a, what, I, I saw madness. Jeff Call did a story. It was 20 years ago that you guys won the tournament. Is that Was that accurate? Was it the 20-year anniversary? That's, that's correct. Yeah, I can remember that, man. And being down there in Vegas, it was just an unbelievable time for you guys as far as rebuilding that thing and getting to the NCAA tournament. You know, you took over literally the worst college basketball program the state had ever seen and uh, with one win. And in four years, you got to the tournament. It was an amazing experience. As I was reading the story that Jeff wrote, one of the there was a little phrase that you had in there that really caught my eye, and I wanted to ask you about it. You were talking about how you experienced some joy, and I I can remember talking to you underneath the stands there in that tunnel up that goes up all, all underneath that one basket, and it's obviously you were beaming. But you made a statement where you said, "Winning usually is a relief." more than it is joy. And that's sort of the essence of coaching, and it's why it's so stressful. Losing sucks, and it's the lowest of lows, but winning, sometimes it doesn't equate to the, uh, the flip side of how bad losing stinks versus how winning is because it's a relief. That doesn't seem like it's a real fair trade-off. No, you know, and I, <laughs> I guess people that are around you know, athletics and around coaches. I mean, it's just, it's the truth. I mean, you grind and grind and grind. You have expectations. The players have expectations. But truly finding joy in this, and and that was one of the more joyful experiences. I've had a few, you know, in my life where they're just absolute joy. And, but uh, most of my coaching life, it was like, here's what's expected. This is what we need to do. 
And you miss out on that. And I, I think looking back, I, I don't know if I could have fixed that, even looking back now, thinking, I can't, you know, I have to, I have to make this good in my life. I have to have find joy in it. And, uh, having that perspective is easier to talk about, you know, 10 years after you're out of the business than, than uh, while you're in the midst of it. And I, don't, I didn't really feel like it was, so, it was self-imposed pressure. There was nobody telling me. Uh, no administrator. There was no fan base that was just saying, "Hey, th- this isn't working." It was more self-imposed. And but that time, that moment, uh, there were a few of them, different experiences with a team rebuilding like that. That you get so close to them that you see their joy, you enjoy it, and that was a special time. And one of the things in that article uh, was the year before when we beat Utah, and we beat beat Utah which was the first time in the, in the second round of the tournament. And uh, I can still remember taking Eric Nielsen. Uh, a lot of people maybe listening to this call may not remember Eric, but about a six seven six eight forward, just a great young man. And, and seeing him as happy as he was, because he had, he had kind of lived through the, the one win. He, 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 his class had gone through that. He had seen the worst of it. And now, you know, they kind of finally got over the top and beat Utah. And uh, and that was one of the first things. I remember going into the, the media room. I'm, I mentioned this, Jeff. I can't remember, but basically, the people they didn't know who he was. and said, "Well, you know, where have you been?" You know, he said, "And I've been in Russia. <laughs> you know, he's been on a mission." And and uh, it was one of the oh, I don't know. It, it, it was such a sweet experience to see Eric feel that, and I felt that that day. And and it gives you something internally. That you know that what you're what you're seeking, what you're doing is a is a good thing, and it's gonna it's impacting people, fans and, and players alike. So when we were able a year later to uh, li- literally you know beat Air Force on the road to to uh, get a co championship and to see obviously McKelly had been the foundation of that team, but we had two really really good guards in Terrell Day and Trent Whiting. And uh, they made big plays, big baskets. And it was obviously McKelly was the heart and soul of that team. But those two guards, am I ever glad, two transfer guards, that we don't win that championship without them. But it was, uh, it was a, great, a great experience with everyone. And uh, you could just breathe a little bit. <laughs> a lot of times you can't breathe after games, win or lose. And, and that may be more of my problem, but I've talked to enough coaches. Uh, most of them agree with me on that. <laughs> you know, not having ever been in, in your shoes in that way, it's it's hard to get this. I think the thing that makes the most sense to me is that when you're building a program on the way up, the wins can be exciting as you're making the progression and you're getting better. But it really makes sense to me that as you get to the mountaintop and you try to stay there, when you're expected to win, then it makes complete sense to me. And I just read a story about you know Gonzaga, can they do it? There's only been four or five teams in the last 45 years that have been undefeated going into the NCAA tournament. And I distinctly remember the UNLV team getting near the end and playing like they had a piano on their back. But maybe a little bit with that Kentucky team a few years ago, too. And I'm wondering what you expect and you know how much you know those guys on the staff up at Gonzaga and how they have, at least to date, made it look so easy. Well, I mean, number one, I think the continuity of a staff, the maturity, uh, the kind of people they are, uh, they, uh, you know, these are, these are really good people, coaches. And, and, and you know what? 
they're they're recruiting elite kids, and many of them are coming from different, you know, for a long time, coming from different countries, where players have appreciation for, you know, obviously people coming from Europe or different places in the world, they have a chance to come to the United States and play basketball. There is an appreciation. There is a respect. And obviously, guys get sent to places where they know the culture of a program is solid for development, for uh, the kind of attitude they have uh, in terms of opportunities to be seen and exposure. And Mark Few has created that. And it didn't happen overnight. But they've, they've got a system. They've got a culture that uh, it just uh, it works. And you, you, you wonder why, how people are coming to coming to Spokane to, to, to why would they come there? But it's, it's more about getting to the next level. And they're getting the kind of guys now, last six, seven, eight years, the guys they're getting are, are next-level guys. And they may not be the elite next-level guys, but they're getting next-level guys. And uh, so, to their credit, they've, they've found a way to do that. Listen, this is a, game, this is a pressurized business for, for everybody, and from administrators to coaches to players to fans to parents. And uh, the one thing I, I always loved about Mark Few is that he has such composure. It doesn't mean he can't be intense and upset and coach and motivate and do all those things, but he has a real sense of who he is, a sense of where he is, and and, and guys pick up on that. They pick up on that. And so uh, I, I I know that the, the, you know, the, the conversations, the narrative is, well, you go two months – you really haven't played real keen competition now, whereas if you were in the Big Ten, every night you're playing someone in the top ten, uh, are you going to be prepared for this moment? Uh, honestly, I've seen them play probably three or four times. This is the tightest, greatest chemistry-type team that I've seen Gonzaga have. They may have had better players, but this is this is a team that is really together. And so... Uh, I, I would love to see Mark Few win a national championship. I mean, I would love to see Mark Pope win a national championship. But at the end of the day, Mark is at the point of the mountain where that can happen. And it's not the there's you know 300 and some other schools that have that opportunity to do. But uh, there there are there are some really really good programs right now who have really good teams. The only thing, if it doesn't happen, you probably go back and say. Well, January and February didn't have many close games. There wasn't a lot of, you know, there wasn't a lot of competition, and uh, they weren't ready for the moment. I mean, that's what that's what analysts are going to say if it doesn't happen. Uh, I hope it does happen. Uh, I think it's good for the league, and they're the they're the team in the WCC who has the best opportunity to do that. I mean, BYU being in the tournament is awesome, and they and they've done well, and the seniors have really stepped up, and I do believe they're capable of winning a game or two as well. If uh, if you know they get the right matchups, it's a really good basketball team. But speaking of Gonzaga, that's uh, that's a special place where Mark has kept it at a very special level with good people. He's surrounded with good people, and that's how you sustain it. I know that because I know how hard it is to do that, especially starting from the beginning, from the bottom, and it's not easy. And uh, there's a there's a lot of roadblocks and hiccups as you go through that. That's why. In 2001, that team was so special to me. Every one of those young men. We, I had talked. We had talked about getting together this year. I uh, had had a conversation with with Brian Santiago about bringing everybody in on this 20 year anniversary. But 
COVID kind of took care of that. Maybe we'll do it another time, but just to get everybody together, have a meal and kind of reminisce and, and, and maybe go watch a game during the season. Maybe we'll get a chance to do that. We don't, we don't need any extra attention. Just a, It just would have been a fun time to get together and, and reminisce. I, Terrell Day lives in, in Fresno, Clovis area where I live. And I can tell you, I sent him the letter because he, uh, uh, Jeff's article. And he, he and, and this isn't a very emotional kid, and we're not talking to each other all the time. He texted me and said, Coach, he says, I watched that New Mexico video, and I just got chills watching it. That was what best thing that ever happened to me. And, you know, he went on to play about 12, 13 years in Europe, but it, it's, it was a sweet text to get from Terrell, uh, a, a young man that had a great influence in it, and it just all came back. And it's not like they sit around and think about games but when you reflect and remember kind of what went on and all the transfers that came before them to kind of reestablish the program, uh, it, it's, it's, it is a special thing. You speak of that pressure, and my thought for you is I, I can remember after you got it going, the pressure to get back. In my mind, watching you, and I was covering you day to day at that time for the newspaper. I felt like you were under way more self-induced pressure to get back, to keep it going. A, a, a couple of incidences, DJ laughs. We were in o- Omaha. Great you were, story. <laughs> you were getting ready to play Creighton, who had Kyle Korver. I think Altman was the coach, and he just yes. won his uh, title again there with the Pac-12 at Oregon. You had Travis Hansen. Well, I'm I'm fired up, man. I'm getting ready to go sit courtside and watch a good game between two good teams with future NBA players. The stands are packed, and you walk by me in the hall, and you look at me and say, look at you, man. You don't have a care in the world, and I'm all stressed out. I don't, you probably don't even remember that, but I do, and, and, I, and I chuckled, yeah, because I was excited to sit and watch a good game, and you had to win the game, and there was another time where you had Arujo and those guys and you were expected to go to the tournament and you were struggling at the time. Eventually you got to the tournament, but you took a day off and I think you went down to Irvine to speak at uh, an alumni something. I'm not sure of the details. And you came back and I remember you telling me, you just used the expression about being able to breathe. And here we were socked in with the fog and everything and, and you got down to Southern California and it was warmer obviously and the air was cleaner, and you just said to me, man, I could breathe down there. And it's like I can like, vicariously feel your stress, like, something you can't feel, but I could see it in your body language and in your face. So my thought for you, what is more stressful as far as, like, Quinn Snyder's going to face this now. It's not about building anymore. They've already built. It's about achieving now this great expectation. How's that stress compared to the stress of when, like, Quinn was trying to build, but he's past that now, and now he's got to get to a higher level? Well, I think, I think first of all, the, the stress comes from expectations, personal expectations, and, and, and there's outside expectations, too. Let's not be naive. There's, there's expectations everywhere. And I think the, the you know, the, like we talked about a few weeks ago, you know, going to New Mexico and UTEP and winning on the road and hostile environments in the first year you know, there wasn't any real pressure there. It was like that that you could just go, oh, my goodness, this is one of the greatest experiences. And we had moments like that where we had big wins 
and as you grow it. And then what happens is you grow it, and you you know you realize, hey, we're we're building a program here. We're not just having a year. And so, I mean, honest to goodness, you're spot on. I mean, and I know everybody has strengths and weaknesses, but looking back, my greatest regret is I did not take the time to really enjoy the moments. And and I don't know, I don't have an answer for you to say, this is what I should have done. I just know I didn't do it. And it wasn't healthy for me. And, uh, and it, it kind of just, it just keeps building on you and building on you. And, and, you know, you don't want to, as a coach, I'm going to just talk personally here, but you never want to disappoint people. You want people to be happy about the product and who they are and how the kids are acting, what's going on. And, and I probably took more of that on myself rather than maybe delegate. I mean, I delegated coaching stuff, but I did not, I didn't have the conversations with my staff. I mean, Dave and I had some staff talks and, about things and but I, I didn't have near the, the didn't take the time to bring my staff in and I always appreciated them and I always thanked them and I thought we had a really good culture and environment with my coaches but I, I should have done more I should have done more to let them know that it, we're at a really good place it's because of what you and these guys are doing and uh, I was really talking to myself because it was like no matter what I did it wasn't going to be enough and, and you, you can't coach uh, effectively when sometimes you have that attitude. I, I didn't have it all the time, but I, I know what the difference between relief after winning a game and what joy feels like. And when joy is when probably you're not expected to win and guys just play unbelievable and you find a way to dig one out. Relief is a team you're supposed to beat anyway. Let's get on to the next prep. And, uh, but if there was any, if there ever a time that I felt true joy, it was in 2001, watching that team and what we went through, and, and the commitment of the young men and the institution to get there. And you're right. Then we went, you know, we won a couple more championships, went to the tournament, and and, and it, it ended up being a good thing. And uh, but I, it's hard. It's really, really hard. You got to make an effort. I, you know, I, I have a lot of friends that have therapists. And people they talk to and, you know, coaching guys that have coaching gurus that talk to them. And, you know, I never really did that. I just kept everything to myself. But if I were to redo it over again, I think I'd love to have a guy that I talk to. And just, you know, not necessarily walking me off the bridge or the tower jump, but more like, hey, let's, what, what are you, what's going on here? I, I think it would be healthy. I've seen too many of my friends in life today, family members, friends who – get help from other people. We get help from everybody and lots of things. Why not that kind of emotional help, that mindset help that could really be effective for coaches? Uh, I, I, and I know there are there out there and the guys that help the players, but I think sometimes they skip and forget the coaches just assuming they'll, they'll be fine. But uh, I probably could have used a few people to talk to to get myself where I needed to be. But I mean, it was still a great experience, but uh, if I do it all over, I'd, I'd find ways to really, really enjoy wins. I think that's one of the things I really like about Mark Pope. He's young. He's got good teams. It's always fun when you're winning. But I think he's found a way to, to not only enjoy it himself, but to get the kids to enjoy it. And uh, and I, I think and it's not that he they're around jumping up and down all the time. When they're not playing well, they're gonna there's accountability. But I think certain guys 
uh, are better at that than others. And I'm a good guy, and I get along with everybody, but I have a tendency to beat myself up more than uh, I probably should have, and consequently, I probably didn't get as much out of that in terms of that pure joy that you can get from coaching the sport. I loved it. I look back. It's easier now than it was then, but that was probably one of my weak points as, as a coach and as a person. So, Steve, and I know, I know we're about out of time here, but I'm really curious, the advice you could give Larry Kristoviak, we're going to have him on the show here in a little while this morning, and, you know, you both took over a program that had to be completely rebuilt from the foundation up, and you both got to the NCAA tournament, and you've gotten there more times than he did, but, you know, he won games when he got, whatever, but basically you both got where you were trying to go, but then what happens when you go down the other side of the mountain and it's slipping away? Now, it was unique for you because the Fresno State opportunity came up, so you end up getting the change of scenery. He's now, you know, three games over 500 in the last three years. I think it's 44 and 41 in the last 85 games. And he's got to be feeling it, and you've got to at least know a portion of what he's feeling. How would you advise him, coach to coach, not media guy, but just as someone who's kind of, you know, run a parallel path? You know, I know Larry. In fact, I was with Larry a couple years ago and with, with his team. And uh, I have a friend that does some consulting and things with him, and I had a chance just to meet him in a more personal level, and I had a chance to meet his players and uh, a great group of people. Uh, I, I know the business part of this. I think the thing that is this, is that Larry is can coach. He understands the game. I've watched him with his kids in settings we was kind of we had a culture building event that we did and uh I, my buddy has done a number of them in in the state and out of state and i when i got back from our mission i met him and he said hey occasionally i like to have guys come help me and he had asked me to come with him and i felt like uh, one of the greatest experiences that i've had uh in a non-coaching situation where i had a chance to interact with their players their coaches and Larry specifically, and and we, and we, you know, there were ropes courses and mountains. There was evening talks. There was transparency like I had never seen it. And what it told me is that Larry had a sincere desire to get his group at a place where they could be the most effective and 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 be the most efficient and have a culture in that program that that is sustainable. And, I, and it was good. It was uh, honestly, I don't have time today, but it was an amazing experience that I just watched. And I saw a group of young men that were all in. And you don't get people to do that unless, unless they're all in with the coach and the staff. I, I, I understand now with winning and losing, that's the nature of this game. And I would, you know, I mean, whatever's going to happen, I don't have any idea. You know, I, I'm, I'm always going to be protective and understanding of a coach and where they're at. But this is the world we live in, and Larry knows that for sure. And whether he stays here another year or two or his time is short here, whatever it is, uh, I know I've seen him. I saw what he did with young people. I saw how he coached his team. They've got good coaches. And you know what? It may be down the road here, a new environment, a new place, and, and, and maybe that's what's healthier for him and his family. Because it does get to you, and it does get to your family. But, uh, you know, most people don't aren't aware that I actually know Larry, let alone have spent time with him, but I have. And, and 
he's got a huge heart. I mean, I know this man, and this doesn't have anything to do with whether he keeps his job or not. He's not, you know, he's a few guys, games over 500. I know he's being paid a lot of money, and there are expectations, and that's, you know, for you guys and myself to talk about, but that's between a president and AD and where they think it's going, and if they decide they're going to go another direction, Larry is a, he, he's, he's a grown man. He can handle anything. He's one of the toughest dudes I've been around. Uh, he'll deal with it, and, you know, he'll find another place to coach if that's what he wants. But I've watched him intimately with his guys, and uh, I, I have so much respect for him and for that, and that makes him as a surprise for people that I would even know him. And I'm not saying Zeshing were good friends. There's a few texts been shared, but for that time I was with his team, was one of the most special things I've done. And uh, so you still got to have guys that put the ball in the basket, and yet, you know you just got to have the right chemistry. But I felt like the chemistry where they were losing some guys. You know, there was two or three years where they lost a few players. Uh, I felt like he was doing the right thing to reestablish that foundation. It hasn't manifested itself in winning to the degree that I'm sure he or that program would like. So what happens will happen. Uh, I don't doubt that Larry Kostoviak can get right back on it and have a great influence in another program. But I know how hard that can be. And uh, I know our last year, uh, when Keeney Young broke his arm, uh, Trent Flaystead broke his ankle, uh, Lee Kamara decided at the last minute to go on a mission, uh, that kind of devastated that team. I mean, it was just, it, it wasn't much we could do. And uh, I, w- I was really uh, emotionally, it was a year where I felt really bad for the community. I felt like I'd let them down. And that's, that's kind of an immaturity on my part. I had I had worked just as hard. We just had three major injuries to three really good players that would all be Mountain West Conference players of the year. <laughs> you know, first team guys. And uh that that's another story another time, but you know, we're all a little bit vulnerable. I, I admit I am and I think everybody is, but my my counsel to, to Larry would be just keep doing what you're doing, love the guys, and if it's time for a change, it's time for a change. He's got a lot of friends, and there'll be people there to support him. And if he wants to keep coaching, uh, you know, he should because he he is a great coach. He he does a lot of really, really good things that people don't see, and he's got a solid staff. Uh, So, But that's the nature of this game. And if if it goes that way, I'll feel bad about that, but I'll also be a guy that would encourage him to don't give up on the sport that you love. Uh, you still got years to go and can still make a difference, and, you know, it's not like there haven't been hundreds of guys lose jobs, get new jobs, and have great experiences. So at the time it's happening, it's not much fun. But uh, uh, I, I believe in Larry and, and who he is as a person. And, uh, and they're, they're, I'm sure people disagree with me, but I was around him for three or four days. I saw him at his core, and I saw how he was impacting young people. And uh, I, I, I would have no problem having him coach my kids. And so and that may not play out, but that that's my two cents to it. And I hope it does. I hope it gets another chance. But I also understand you got to win in this business this day and age, and uh, and especially in a, in a in a university that has great expectations and a proud athletic department. Um, you know, Utah State and BYU are playing well. Southern Utah having a great year this year. Uh, there's a lot of good going. UVU, I think, it was one game out of winning the, the WAC. Something Mark never did there. And, and, and he came in there, lost the whole group, and 
Mark Madsen had them battling for a championship. So uh, there's a lot of good coaching here. And great, great state for basketball. And obviously Quinn and his group are amazing. But there are some things about this business that make it difficult. I, I personally handled some of them real well and others uh, not so well. But I learned and then now I move on and I and enjoy and watch and help others. Steve, as always, we appreciate the time and the perspective. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks a lot. You bet, guys. Take care. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. Larry Kristoviak, coach of the Utes, is coming up in about half an hour right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, embarrassed on a national stage. Taken last, they probably feel like they were slighted. You go back to February 24th, Jazz, they beat the Lakers by 25. Yes. LeBron does not like getting his nose rubbed in anything, let alone a 25-point beatdown to the Utah Jazz. This is psychological warfare. Utah Jazz players, play with that extra edge, that mentality, that physicality that you'll be unstoppable and avenge the city. There would never be a better time for the Utah Jazz to win a championship so we could all look at the rest of the country and be like, ha! See? You don't got to be number one or two market in the country to have a championship team. Hanson Scotting weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK brought to you apart by Davis Vision, giving you 1,000 reasons to get rid of those contacts or glasses. That's $1,000 off LASIK. Start your road to better vision at davisvisionmd.com or call them at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. All-Star game in the books. All-Star day instead of All-Star weekend. Personally, I liked it. Three-point shootout right into the game. Dunk contest at halftime, and we're done. Of course, that probably cut down on the number of commercial avails. Hey, don't forget about the skills challenge. I already did. And uh, that cut down on the number of commercials and uh, amount of programming TNT had. So I'm, I expect we'll be back with the old format and the Saturday night all-star uh, stuff and all that. But uh, it was fine. There were tons of jazz guys there. Now a little dine, downtime and back at it. Jazz fans who hit us up on social media Seem to enjoy the representation, PK. Good to have their guys out there in the mix. That the most I've ever had? Three Try. players and a coach? Uh, yeah, I think Ford is the record. The three players they'd done before, Stockton, uh, Eaton, and Malone in Houston in the Astrodome back okay. in the late 80s. Well, is that, that's not the question. But he had in the coach, yeah, that's, that's true. Because Frank Layden was there, but I think that was early 80s, like 84. Yeah, so uh, it's Jazz Central. It's All-Star Weekend was all about the jazz. Yeah, it really wasn't, but it sounds <laughs> Sure <good>. it was. <laughs> Why wasn't it? They weren't the starters. They're higher-profile guys. I mean, LeBron's the highest-profile guy for, and for a while now. And he played only like 11 or 13 minutes Oh, yeah, definitely like saving the legs after missing the Sacramento game. Yeah, I'll play, but threw down a dunk, yeah. got another bucket, and I'm done. I got nothing to prove here. Well, nobody has anything to prove anything in an all-star game. Well, in that case, I'm LeBron and I'll rest, and you other guys run around out there and wear yourself out. Yeah, I don't know that anybody wore themselves out. I mean, this is light jogging. These are athletic specimens in the primes of their athletic lives. And that that's they they'll they'll work out harder to today, probably. Yeah, and they did in that game. Yeah, they, they will. 
Because that's one of the things I asked specifically of Joe. You know, Joe's 33 years old. What did he plan on doing? Was he going to stay away from the gym completely and not get back until they reconvene with their first practice? He says, oh, and I don't know about that, meaning he's going to go to the gym or, or some form of working out. He was talking about how, well, they come back from uh, Philly on the Thursday, so obviously they get back way early in the morning, so he's going to be fried that day, and then he was probably not going to do anything on Friday, but I think he was going to get back and start doing something on Saturday. And so I don't, I don't think any of these guys is going to wear themselves out because I just don't see where they're just going to sit around for four or five days. There's too much at stake. And I, I think when you get to this level, you know, obviously I didn't come anywhere close to getting to that level, but these guys take this thing very seriously. So they're not going to spend a whole lot of time away from working out. Even in a vacation environment, they're still going to get in their work, which is I think you have to, particularly for what the Jazz have at stake here. Because when you go through this first season, or first half of the season, I mean, with this type of record and in this position, you are a legitimate contender for the title. So we are well beyond asking, are they a legitimate contender? Because the answer is yes, you are who you are as far as your record, and this puts you there. So what does that mean now? That, now you've got to up your game. And you've got to be able to meet the task that's at hand because everybody's going to be coming at you. Everybody. There's going to be teams, even the Lakers. They're, I mean, we perceive the Lakers as being better because they're, they're, they won the thing last year, right? And deservedly so. But they still are going to be coming after you. So you've got to meet that challenge. So I'm suspecting every single guy on this Jazz roster is doing some type of work here rather than just sitting back in a lounge chair for, for six days. Yeah, you can't sit back uh, for six days. A couple days off and then you got to ramp up. And it all starts Friday, and everything you said, it's uh, it's great to have the best record at the All-Star break, but if it all falls, falls apart in the second half, so what? Uh, I think the thing the Jazz have going for them is uh, they think some people think it's going to fall apart in the second half of the season, so that motivates them to not take it for granted and make sure they keep the pedal down. Here. Really, you do. I would, I, would, I would like to debate that. Well, we'll do that next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Big Show show. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Howard Beck, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated. Here's the danger of where the Jazz are with this whole thing. It's not about location. It's not about market. Back in the day, I don't think anybody in the league didn't respect Malone and Stockton in that group. Those teams were respected. It's the way you channel it. We want respect. Maybe we haven't earned it yet. We just got to keep kicking everybody's butt. Maybe it's not enough to have the best record in the league through four weeks, five weeks, eight weeks. We got to do it the whole season. That's a positive way of channeling perceived disrespect. If it's more of a persecution complex, nobody respects us because we play in Utah. The referees don't respect us. There's a bias against us. That sounds, to me, defeatist. And I think they need to let go of that narrative as quickly as they can. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. And now, really? your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. Third one is a miss. Will this be the champ? Second time is the Mountain Dew three-point champion. 
There's your Chevy Strong play of the game. Steph Curry had to make eight of his last nine shots, hit both money balls, and that's exactly what he did. He edges edges out Mike Conley by one point and wins a three-point shootout. Know that today, 450 on the big show, and you can win fabulous prizes. All right, PK, you want to debate that. I think there's people waiting slash expecting the Jazz to stumble, probably to various degrees, and when they stumble in the second half of the season or the playoffs. But, yeah, I think there are people waiting for the Jazz to stumble. Maybe that drives them. I don't think there's a possibility of stumbling in the second half. I think it's all about the postseason. There's no such thing as stumbling in the second half if you have success in the postseason. Well, that's true, but if they were to go out and, I don't know, they play in 750 ball now and play 600 ball and slip to a 2 or 3 seed and go out in the second round, I think people would view the stumble as having started in the, or I guess even if they went out in the first round. Uh, if you're 3 seed, I think there'll be six good teams in the West. We'll have to watch their health down the stretch, but... You know, and you lose to a Portland or Denver in the first round, that would be viewed as stumbling. But even if you lost in the second round, it'd be like, yeah, see, look at you guys. I don't think the second half will have anything to do with that. I think it's, a, it's two different – they've got two seasons left. They've got the second half, and then they've got the postseason. And you've seen enough that the second half worries you not at all. The postseason, anything could happen. Because honestly, that's basically what I'm thinking. I think they're going to do well in the second half of the regular season. I don't know if they'll maintain a 750 pace, and I don't know that they'll be the number one seed for sure. But I think they'll do well. But what's going to happen in the postseason? Right. No idea. Uh, the full range of possibilities all seems plausible right now. The second half slump, even if they had it, it should only be short because there's enough teams that they'll just be able to beat, not by showing up, but by but they won't necessarily need their A game to be right. able to beat that team. So they'll pile up a fair amount of victories. Yep. I wouldn't necessarily bet what do they got, 27 now. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't, and they're right at the halfway point. So I wouldn't, uh, whatever, what, what would their record be? They're not going to go 27-9 and nine again, is your point. Is that what right. you're leading up to? Right, so whatever that f- record is. But if I said they went 24-12. and 12, that's fine. That sounds plausible to you. That, 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 that's to me. That's I, pl- plenty good enough. But the, then it, 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 the success of this season. Now they're at the stature where this will be determined by the postseason. And there's only three teams that you can say that in the West. Their season will be defined by the postseason. Only three teams: the two LAs mm, and the Jazz. That's it. What about Denver? Hmm. They messed up the start. They're not going to have a glorious regular season record, but they do seem to be trending up. I think you'd agree with that. And how much better are they going to get? You know, they're, they're adjusting to the loss of a lot of minutes in their rotation. Now, they're getting better at it, but is there a ceiling they're going to bump up against here? Yeah, I don't know that they're getting better at it. That's the whole thing with Denver is they seem to be getting better at it, and then they lose three out of four. <laughs> So I can't say that I want to say that they're getting better at it and they're a good team. They're a good team. But are they uh, a finals team that I thought was a possibility? Right now, the answer is no. Uh, and maybe that they've got time to prove it. That's the great thing about it is you, you can talk about it all you want. But at the pro level, you've got time to prove it until you don't have any time to prove it. And so you don't have to wait for some stupid committee to come out with a poll on Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. That doesn't matter. 
so they'll be able to show it or not show it. But I want to give them the credit, and then they turn around and they lose some games. So I think their talent, when you have a superstar, the level of Jokic should dictate it. But right now, I still believe there's only three teams that their post their season, as we give it the final analysis and evaluation, will be determined on postseason success. And halfway through the season, that's exactly where what you want. Phoenix, you want to be in that category. Phoenix, you're not putting in that group because this season's already been a success. And if they're you haven't made season. the playoffs in 11 years, all right. of a sudden I'm going to de- define you by the postseason? Right. The fact that they've got this good a record, they're sitting in the two spot now, but wherever they finish, assuming the wheels don't come completely off, and neither one of us thinks they're going to. I mean, they got Crowder and Paul who've been in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd have to go look and see maybe Kaminsky. I'm not sure. He's been around a little bit. But everybody else, I don't believe, has literally been in the right. postseason. So now I'm expecting to have them to have success someplace they haven't been. That doesn't make any sense. DJ and PK, Larry Kristoviak, Utah basketball coach, coming up next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We are joined now by Utah basketball coach Larry Kristoviak. The Utes wrapping up the regular season. They are headed off to the Pac-12 tournament. they got a blowout win over Arizona State, and they will face Washington in the first round of the tournament. Larry joins us now. Larry, good morning. Good morning, DJ and PK. So I'm curious, uh, there are so many things to ask you, and you know the history of Utah basketball. You're a big part of it now, with about a decade under your belt up there, and you, you played for the Jazz and coached in this part of the country. And I'm curious, obviously the last three years have been hard. They've probably been hard on you and all that, and you're trying to change things. What's the what are one or two things you're trying to change about the program to get them back to you know, where you were with DeLon Wright in the NCAA tournament? Well, it's, it's uh, you know, this is an interesting time for us. We're not, we're not thinking long-term here right now. We're trying to get to the Pac-12 tournament and figure out a way to beat Washington. Um, that's where all of our focus is, and, and we're trying to play forward rather than, uh, you know, taking a look back. So, um, you know, maybe end of the season, I'd be, better equipped to answer that type of question. But um, I think more importantly is, is staying present. We've, uh, we've played with everybody. We've had nice leads against everybody in our conference, one through 11. Uh, and now we need to bottle it up at a special time of year when everybody heads down to Vegas and see if we can play some consistent basketball and win some games. And then obviously off season, we jump into recruiting and player development, but um Right now, we're we're ready to grind. Larry, you hit the very word that I was going to use, consistent. It's hard for me to give complete and total evaluations for any team this year with COVID being as strange as it was and the in-and-out nature of the season. But nevertheless, games were played, scores were kept, and as I watch your games, really moments and extended moments of brilliance, as you've said. How do you channel that to find that consistency? Because it's clear that the talent is there and stretches to be very good. Yeah, you know, and it's, um, I don't want to talk about, it's not a youth thing, um, but at times that's a part of it. You know, having having some freshmen on the floor that need to be solid. Uh, I just watched, you know, I watched our game at Washington uh, we had a 12-point lead with four minutes to go in the first half. 
sharing the ball, making great plays. And it really comes down, you know, and I think this time of year I shared it with our guys in pregame on Saturday. Um, sometimes everybody wants to analyze and, and coaches and players and want like one big answer of how do we find more consistency. And as I look back on all of these previous games where we lose leads or where you build a 10-point lead, there's always a correlation in that. And it's, it's a matter of doing the proverbial little things more often and consistently than the other team. You know, obviously you have to knock down a shot. You have to make your free throws. But you have to block out on possessions. Back to the Washington point, we had a 12-point lead. And we have three straight possessions um, where we missed good shots, open shots, a couple of layups, actually. And then when you make a decision to jog back on defense because you're carrying some of the offensive frustration with the inability to make that layup, and then they whap down three threes, you know, in the last four minutes heading into – that's not rocket science. That's just let's stick with – uh, doing all those little things. It starts with the effort to get back and communicate and be in a stance. And really, that's how most of these games go. If you can find that consistency, regardless of whether you're on offense or defense, to make the right play, make the game the play that the game presents to you. We've had turnover issues at times, and I think those are uh, from trying to hit home runs when we should probably just be advancing runners and hitting singles and um, so it's not a mystery to our team. It really isn't because we've, we've had enough sample size. We've had enough data, a lot of the ups and downs. And if there's ever a time to put it together, it's right now. And I think the consistency comes in just being steady and consistent with the approach of the next possession. And that's going to give us a chance to advance and maybe win some games. And that's probably the big key. And when you talk about win some games, does this feel like a good draw for you because you did split with both these teams and you've beaten them both? Well, I think you always have to be careful about that. I mean, that's a fair question. Um, You know, certainly uh, if you look at history, we've struggled with Oregon. We've hit Oregon in the tournament when they seem to be clicking on all cylinders. So knowing that that they're not in the first couple games, I mean, but you have to be careful what you wish for. there's always going to be some teams that put it together at the right time. I think we've got a half a dozen or seven teams that are heading into this Pac-12 tournament that understand the only way they're going to the NCAA tournament is by winning this thing. So, you know, you're going to have different levels of inspiration. You've probably got four or five teams that would just as soon have Selection Sunday here so that they don't have to go to Vegas and be in a bubble and risk getting COVID and potentially screwing up their NCAA tournament. So I think it's unlike any other year, there's a lot of moving factors. And, and again, I, you know, not coach speak, but we just got to, we got to see who it is. We're playing next, uh, do a little bit of prep work for USC. Should we beat Washington and take this baby one step at a time? And then if you're going to get lucky and have a few bounces go your way, hopefully we've earned them, you know, by, by approaching it the right way. And, we have an opportunity to get as hot as anybody else does in this league right now, and we're confident that we can do that. I've heard coaches say, as far as youth, it's not what you want. Majerus used to say that uh, freshmen were just uh, four years removed from being in the eighth grade. He'd try to put it in perspective <laughs> there when I was covering him 
working for the newspaper. And I've heard coaches say, you want to get old and you want to stay old. Dave Rose talked about what he called the program players. That wasn't the top-level stars, but they were the role guys who knew exactly what you needed them to do, and then they can execute it. And my thought for you, that's been a little bit of a problem because guys like uh, Gotch and others, when you're getting them in the position where they can really contribute maybe a little bit better than what their talent level is because of their knowledge and experience, they take off. How difficult is it for you and everybody else really in college basketball, because it's not particular to you, but to re-recruit your guys basically so they stay so you can get old? Yeah, I mean, you, that you you uh, you hit it on the head. You know, I I uh, you can't control you know what's in people's minds, and we try to deal in truths around here, tell the truth. Uh, you know, I think if if uh, anybody were to interview Booth right now and and know what's going on at Minnesota and the lack of opportunity and different things, everybody makes mistakes. You know, that's undoubtedly a mistake. It was a bad move. Uh, but there's enough people in other people's ears and telling them, you know, uh, and it creates disenchantment and guys want to go and try something else. And, and this is a shining example of that not being a good decision. We can't control that. What I, what I feel really fortunate about is that we have uh, a young man in our program named Pella Larson and a young man in our program named Ian Martinez that are freshmen, that are growing, that are cut of the right stuff. Uh, and so I'm a firm believer everything happens for a reason. And if, if somebody doesn't think this is the right place for them, um, you know, then that, that's going to be their decision. But I feel really confident after having been here for 10 years that we're going to continue pushing guys. Guys are going to have an ability to reach their potential. Uh, no, no, you're not going to get to play 40 minutes and play a position that you want to play because you think that's your position. We're going to, we're going to try to win games and do things uh, with the program as our number one priority. And we will continue to do you know, to do that as we uh, move forward. So it's, uh, it's a shame the way it is, the way the, the game is, but um, we'll just keep grinding. How about that? Yeah. So you mentioned some of the guys on your roster, and you look at your roster, and Ute fans are used to seeing guys from Utah and California and Arizona. And you have guys from Utah and California and Arizona. But Sweden, Costa Rica, Puerto Rico, Senegal, Jamaica, Finland, uh, are you going to continue to have an international flavor going forward? Are you going to accelerate that a little more? Uh, What are you thinking? No, well, uh, hey, look, the the world uh, basketball is – the world is, is figuring it out. It's, um, it's not all soccer anymore. And I think when you look at an NBA draft and you see 10 to 15 people uh, from around the world that nobody's ever heard of and you see some of the successes uh, in the NBA of these international players, there's a, it's, it's a positive culture in Europe. You know, kids grow up and they're coached and and taught properly there's a high skill level we've got a couple more international kids joining us next year so it's not going to be the only you know it's uh it's part of a program but the the world is is creating and and basketball is is flowing all over and i think we've done a nice job established the niche when you go back to the bogats and the hano medalas and 
this is a, a really great school for international students. We've got a lot of international students, and I think culturally the city fits a lot of people. So, yeah, we'll continue to do that. But, uh, you know, Utah is very important as well, and certainly the the West, uh, the states you mentioned, California and Arizona, and that that will remain in our in our uh, in our grasp. And we're going to keep striving to find the best players that we can. What's Jones's status going to be for the tournament? Uh, well, he's making improvements. We're not not really sure. It's a it's a day to day deal, and we just finished a coaching meeting this morning, and it's improving. But um, you know, there's never going to be any pressure on us and I think we all know Ryland well enough to know that if he's if he's close uh he's a tough son of a gun uh what's been difficult is is keeping him from diving on the floor you know when you have a shoulder the way he re-injured it again there's certain things that are in his in his gene pool and his DNA on loose balls that he uh you know he gave himself up as an injured player and that ended up you know torquing his shoulder again so it's really hard it's really hard to, you know, tell a kid not to take a charge and not to dive on the floor. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're hoping certainly and praying and, and uh, you know, trying to keep Ryland in good spirits. And I'm curious. I haven't had a chance to, uh, to visit with them this morning, but we're, we're getting ready to do some COVID testing before we head out to Vegas. And I'm hoping that, uh, that things have improved a little bit for him. He could be a key ingredient, obviously, for, for the success of our team. Anybody who remembers watching you play knows that uh, you were an energetic guy who played with an intense edge. And you didn't, I don't think, you needed many outside motivators to get you to play like that. But I'm curious <laughs> playing in empty gyms. That was an understatement. Nice laugh, right? Uh, but I'm curious playing in empty gyms, and especially, and we had Steve Cleveland, he brought this up, that it's, yes, it's March Madness, but the fans and the energy cascading out of the stands is a big part of the madness. And I'm yeah. wondering how much you're seeing with your own team and with opposing teams, how much you're seeing games impacted by these no crowds or small crowds, because it's it's not the same. It's clearly not the same. And it shouldn't yeah. matter, but it often does. And what are you seeing? Well, I think, number one, there's a little bit more parity. There's, there's probably more road wins. I haven't looked at any data, but but I know that we sure could have used the Huntsman Strong and the Faithful to help us get through a couple of those. Uh, you know, the Colorado, the Oregon, the Oregon State, when you kind of need that boost to get you over the top. So it's probably leveled the playing field. I think everybody plays the game um, for a different reason. You know, you mentioned my, my days as a player. For me, basketball was was an escape from a lot of things that were going on in my life that uh, you could kind of put on a, a, a different mask and go be something. And, you know, I found a lot of, uh, I found a lot of uh, value because it, it helped me with my identity. Like I was, I was a basketball player and I tried to play like every practice or game was the last one. And, and, you know, I think what you're seeing is if you're, if you're intrinsically motivated and you're playing the game for the right reasons, a lot of, you know, and the crowd does make a difference, but you don't need the crowd to get you going. And I think what it's done is, um, you know, made everybody take a look at themselves for, you know, what, what it is they're playing for. They've got people at home that maybe aren't able to come to a game, maybe loved ones that they've lost, whatever the motivation is. 
and the the playing field is equal. Both both teams are lacking that. Even when you're on the road, it's fun to have a. You know, there's been some games this year when we've gone on the road, and I miss certain fans. There's fans at Oregon, and there's fans at Arizona that over the ten years you you almost create a relationship with that are, you know, that give you a little something and make you want to be a little better and and the heckling and the different things, but. Uh, it's a challenging time for our guys. I, I do think what's great is we've recently added some fans. Uh, you know, there will be a hundred hundred tickets given for each team at the Pac-12 tournament, so it's not going to be as empty as it was back in November or December. And I think as important as anything is our guys. You know, with the television, it's still uh, this is the time of year. It's magical because it's being watched across the country. And we all, the one thing we all know is that we're getting close to the finish line. You know, the needles are going in people's arms and the days are getting longer and the weathers and the rates are dropping. So I think everybody has a little bit of energy knowing that we've persevered and made it through a really tough year. And now is the time of year that you want to be clicking and putting it all together. So there's a, some positive things that are happening, I think, that help um, overcome some of the lack of, of you know, packed arenas, and I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll find some of that enthusiasm. You talk about how you played as it was your last game. It must be in the Christobiak DNA because I had a neighbor who played at Brighton a couple years ago as a senior, and your son was on that team, and I would go to the games to watch him play, and I'd watch, you'd be there, and I'd watch your son. He's much shorter than you, but I love the way the kid played because he played all out on every single possession. So it's clearly something in that DNA with your last name, I guess. How do you get that? to go in some of your guys now who maybe that, that they don't necessarily have it. And I'm not saying that Carlson is a loafer by any stretch, but it looks like he's got a world of talent. Yeah. And how do you get him to just take that mindset that you had when you played? And I saw your kid have it in high school when he played. Well, I think you can coach it to some degree, you know, the, the effort and the edge and, and, um, one one of my favorite sayings with our team is it's really hard to beat somebody that never gives up, and our guys hear that a lot. And I, you know, it, it's just it's just uh, that next play mentality. I think we we watch film so guys can see when they're lacking that. Sometimes you don't know what you look like uh, and how how much more you can bring to the table. Um, you know, and you got to recruit some guys that are like that. It, it's it's. Uh, it's like raising kids, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, raising the son you're talking about, you feel like you have to put the, you have to put the uh, bridle on them a little bit and be pulling them back. And, and I've always said, I would rather have to try to, you know, slow somebody down and get them to withdraw and, and slow down and not play so hard than trying to kick somebody in the butt to get them excited. And it's always a fine line, but I, I do believe that the, as much as the mental skill uh, is a pay, is a part of the game, just like the shooting skill or the passing skill, we're, we're teaching them all those skills while they're here at Utah. But I also believe we can teach them how to grind and, and fight through some tough times. Uh, and that's a process. That's like going in the weight room, tearing your muscles down, and if you come back again when you're really sore, all you're doing is getting stronger. And it's it's not comfortable. It's not fun when you're aching. It's not fun when you're beat up and you're 
but same thing goes with the mental aspect. You know, there's some days you don't feel like working. Well, are are you going to come back and and break through some thresholds that maybe you didn't think you could get through before? So that's a skill that we try to we try to improve, and we've got to get dialed in. This is that time of year it, when we lose. Now we're done, and so um, you know this is the end of the fight. And let let's make sure uh, that if we're going down, that we're going to go down swinging. And our and our players will understand that loud and clear. And the more you can get uh, unified with that thought, I think the better chance you have to win some games. So you mentioned a couple things there about, you know, the mental attitude and all that. And and I'm curious with your players, you know, it's different with fans because they ride the roller coaster, they have no control over it and they're invested and, you know, they go nuts. There have been some encouraging wins and then just some heartbreaking losses here. Have you had to buck this team up a little bit? Do kids let this stuff roll off their back? How's your team mentally right now? Well, well, I think I think we're okay. Uh, I would be concerned if we were if we were like trying to play darts with the blindfold on, you know, like it, we really don't have any idea what the hell we're doing, and <laughs> let's just go roll the dice and see what happens. But you can watch any one of our games. Uh, I've watched them multiple times. If you want to watch. You know, okay, we didn't feel good about getting beat at home the other night by Oregon State. Well, guess what? It's not a mystery. If you if you rebound a little bit harder and we don't give up 24 points uh, on second shots and you can block out on two missed free throws that they scored baskets on, we probably win. So it, we've got, again, we've got this long movie that we've watched. And, and believe me, we watch film after every game. Our guys watch film when we'll beat Arizona and what it looks like when it's good and what it looks like when it's bad. So going into this, it, this is the talk, uh, talk is cheap kind of year, uh, time of year. You know, the, we can sit down and talk about all of it, or you guys can just bring up your memory banks and know that we've got to do a lot of these elements. You've got to take care of the ball. You've got to rebound. You've got to share it. And guess what? When, you, when you're open, you've got to make it. And, I mean, we've been shooting 90% from the free throw line the last if Colorado wasn't about to break uh, the all-time NCAA record, we'd be knocking on the door of that. So there's some good things that are happening. Let's just piece it all together. And so our guys aren't suicidal and worried. You know, it's, 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 uh, it is right before us. And if everybody does their part and plays their role and things come together, we can be successful. So there, you know, it's, it's not one of those seasons where anybody's thrown in the towel and, and wants to move on. And so I think mentally everybody should be in a pretty safe place right now. And we had a really good, it was a lot of fun on Saturday watching guys that haven't played a lot of minutes go out and do their thing. And the guys on the bench, unbelievably supportive. We recognize some seniors and Donnie Daniels. So, you know, this isn't a victim time, you know, this, this year's killed a lot of people. It's unemployed. A lot of people, We've just played 19 out of our 20 conference games, which I never would have guessed. So, you know, let's say bad for bad. that We're, we're going out to play a game in the best time of the year in March Madness. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd be really disappointed if I found out that anybody on our team is not in a good mental place because uh, th- this, has been, this has been pretty uh, positive and there's been a lot of good things to take. And now let's go. Let's go make sure we really have a good taste in our mouth and do this thing the right way. 
Coaches essentially are teachers at heart. When have you found is the best time to teach the principles that you're trying to get across to your players? Oh, you know what? There's there's opportunities, sometimes hidden little gems. I wouldn't say, you know, obviously when you're going into a team meeting with an agenda, uh, a film session, there's key points that you have to get across. But sometimes it's as simple as in an airport. Um, you know, the, the words, the positive things in our culture, we try to, we try to keep them alive on a daily practice plan and recognize and, and reward and award guys when, when things are being done well. I, I just don't think that you can pick and choose. I think those, those windows open themselves and there's an opportunity for some teaching along the way, sometimes almost in a whisper mode and sometimes in your face mode and, um, it, that's one of the coolest parts about this job. You know, I think players at this level are obviously good basketball players, but there's a lot of things you can help teach them about life in general and things that are going to be with them the rest of their life. And, and that's one of the, the, the most rewarding parts when I hear back from the Jordan Leverages and the Brandon Taylors and the DeLon Wrights and those guys, Kyle Kuzma, and they're actually using slogans, um, and, you know, wanting to be reminded of certain things that we talked about here as inspiration, that, that's absolutely priceless. And so those, those opportunities we try to take full advantage of whenever we can. Larry, we appreciate a few minutes. We'll be watching you in the Pac-12 tournament against Washington on Wednesday, and we would love to talk to you about some of the big picture stuff. So hopefully we can get you back on the show sometime in the offseason. That sounds great, guys. Thanks, man. Larry, Christ- yep, Larry Kristoviak, head coach of the University of Utah men's basketball team, join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Everything you missed in this show, in one quick segment. Next, stay with us. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Time is of the essence for him. If they're already entertaining all these other options like they are, if they could have gotten rid of him now already, I think they would have. So they're working with what they have right now, and, and that just shows you what his trade value is. I think it should be better than that, but unfortunately it's not right now, so he's, they just got to do something fast to get him out of there. It's Mark Sanchez saying the Jets need to move Sam Darnold. I expect they're going to, but there's quarterbacks who are much, much better thought of and more highly rated in Houston and Seattle, and there tends to be a pecking order to these things. Plus there's a draft, and once you know – if, if those trades either happen or don't in the draft, then things will settle down and we'll see where Sam Darnold fits in the NFL world. Uh, other football news today. Uh, over the weekend, Puka Nakua into the transfer portal at Washington. All kinds of rumors about the brothers wanting to play together. There's a thought maybe it would happen at Washington, but maybe it would happen at BYU with Puka Nakua in a transfer portal. And there are kids who've gone in the portal and then gone back to school uh, and not left, but it's pretty rare. Usually when you're in the portal, you're gone. Yeah. So if you're a BYU fan, 
you'd have to think the odds went up. But PK, as you mentioned this morning, it's never it's never done until it's done. No matter what people want and no matter what people plan, you got to get it all the way over the finish line. And the Nakua brothers may end up at BYU, but it's not done yet. Is it the Nakua brothers or brothers Nakua? Uh, you could go with Brothers Nikoi. <laughs> brothers Karamazov? What, you going like uh, great Russian literature here? What are you doing? <laughs> no, Brothers Gibb, the Bee Gees. Brothers ah, Osborne. There you go. That's more like it. Brothers Osborne is a country band. Uh, we've played their tunes a few times coming in and out of break, or coming into breaks, I guess. Uh, well, I do think that the BYU is in strong, strong contention uh, to the point where I might be able to say they're the leader in the clubhouse, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to report it until they decide we, ha- we are coming to this team and it's a fact. Now, would uh, Puka have his eligibility for this season? Now, Samson, as I understand, is a graduate, so he could be yeah, he's a graduate eligible transfer. wherever he goes. Does Puka need a waiver? I don't know what the rule is. Current, currently, he does need a waiver, but that rule change is expected to be implemented in literally any day now. Where he'd be able any to day? Eligible. So, like, maybe even today? Possibly tomorrow? Okay, probably not uh, today. But. What happens today? Because then we can talk about the exact same thing tomorrow. Wait, re- he, says, he says literally any day now, and then he says, well, maybe not today. Literally any day. So that's day. not literally. You misusage of the word literally. What he okay. meant was literally any day except the current one, <laughs> and possibly the next one. But after that, it's on the table. Well, oh, you can never have enough talent. I mean, so... Right. Uh, yeah, bring it on, man. If they want to come, bring it on. And the transfer portal is there, and take advantage of it. Now, these two kids here, they are familiar with the local culture, so I don't think that it would be a big surprise for them, anything that they have to do or don't do, whatever BYU's rules are and the labyrinth of rules that they've got. Uh, I've always thought the transfer portal would be ideal for BYU because you can bring in guys who are older. They don't have to abide by some of these rules that may seem foreign to them for that long. Mark Pope obviously has made a living so far off of that, and then football should too. These two kids fall under a different category since they have the local connection. Uh, and they would be in addition. I always thought Samson was on the verge of breaking out. I know. But I seem to feel that way about every receiver at Utah. Not everyone. No. But, but the ones that I felt, like, you never really More did. More than once, yes. More than and, once you felt that way. Yeah, because to me, Samson, and maybe I wanted it because he's such a great interview. <laughs> he and is. I, I enjoyed his, talking to him the last few years. Uh, yeah. And his, so I wanted him to be. His charisma just... Off yeah, I mean, charts. he's got it. Yeah, for sure. Off he's just charts. one of those guys. Then they've had plenty of them. Mm-hmm. Julian Blackman was uh, was a kid that I enjoyed talking to. Obviously, there's many of them. Yeah, there's Tubby, a long list. Hanson, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Uh, so, uh, Samson, I always enjoyed talking to him. I rooted for him to have success, so I get the opportunity to interview him <laughs> yeah, right. after the games. And so, I think he can be in addition to any program, particularly for BYU, because we know that they're losing some talent there. Not that their their program is completely barren of talent, but would be an exciting opportunity for both of these guys. I would love to see it. And I, the locals, you know, we want them to do well because it's good for business. Having them go someplace else doesn't really do anything for us. So, sure, I would love to see them go to BYU. We just had Larry Kristoviak on the air. Your takeaways there, PK? I got to admit, I wanted to talk some big picture stuff with him, but they got a game Wednesday, so he's not ready for it yet. There's no reason why they're not extremely confident in the first game. I would be 
extremely disappointed if they lose the first game. I have been a fan of Larry's. I keep extending the window uh, for him to return to believe that he can do big things there. And I have a hard time saying this year, because of the crazy nature of it, that they should make a change. I'm not. I'm just not in that category. But you know, you got to win. And and even though this year was crazy, they did play games and they did keep score. And there was a bunch of head scratchers, good and bad. You go over to Colorado and you win. That's a head scratcher. That's good when you're down by 20 points and you find a way to win. Mm-hmm. You hammer SC. You dominate SC. Yep. You dominate Arizona. Uh, the Bruins got you, but down in Pauly, it was a last second. Uh, the Utes had a chance. They turned it over right at the end there. Yeah. So uh, Washington is a crappy team. I think Washington, I heard somewhere along the line, was having a historically bad season for their program. So you must win this game. And then we'll see what SC brings. You beat SC. SC's not in a good spot, although they did have a nice comeback to beat oh, their crosstown rival that. the other day and then made a shot right at the end to win the ball game. Yeah. Uh, so they're sort of hit and miss there. And they've got all the talent in the world. they got the lottery pick, and I've seen Mobley expected to go as high as maybe even two in the draft. And you look at him and say, okay, it's a kid who, you know, you're drafting largely on potential. That's what the NBA draft has turned into to uh, a large extent now, and this kid's got it. So they're a very dangerous ball club. I can't say that I expect but, Utah to win that game, but I definitely expect them to win uh, thir- was it Wednesday at uh, 5 o'clock. Is that what I heard? Yeah. Uh, US, USC started 18-3 and three and has gone 3-3 three and three in their last six. And I don't follow it close enough. I don't know that you do either. I don't know if it's something about getting to the finish line and you know guys who have NBA stuff. I, I don't know. But there's something about them that they look a lot more vulnerable than they looked a month ago. Because a month ago, they were just beating everybody. And they looked untouchable, and I didn't think the youths were anywhere near their level. And certainly they weren't when they went down there and played them the first time they got drilled. So as draws go, this seems as encouraging as can be. And at the same time, we've seen the youths, they really can win. again. I mean, they've got, as you listed them, they got three or four really good wins this year. But they've also got three or four just horrible losses. So, I mean, to Larry's point, you know, that they got to be ready to go when they step on the floor because if they if they give anything away, it could come back to cost them the game. So, I don't think it will in the first round. It shouldn't. But they have lost to Washington, so you can't say that it can't happen. It shouldn't. They split the two games. They they won really easily when they played them the first time. That, yeah, was, that was way better, back in December. Much better program yeah. uh, than Washington is right now. So I'm excited for them to show what they can do because I don't know that it's necessarily wide open uh, in terms of any team can win. I think that might be a stretch. But I think they could have a good showing and build some momentum. And then it's up to Larry and his staff to find a way to keep these guys. If they lose critical components – that that's a significant blow. And I was surprised that he was as outspoken about Gotch saying that kid made a mistake. And normally you don't crack on a kid like that, but Larry did not mince words saying that young man leaving to go to Minnesota, which I believe is home for him, said that that was a mistake. And that's that's been devastating to the program. 
uh, as we've seen many programs have that issue uh, as far as getting guys that can really make a contribution because they understand what you want them to do, and then they take off. Yeah, and there's all kinds of talk. It's Patino's kid up there, right, coaching? And, Richard, uh, yeah. Richard Patino. And just uh, been reading speculation about all the long list of Mountain West coaches who, well, long list, the top two in the Mountain West. We talked about this earlier. San Diego State, the one seed, and Utah State, the two seed. And plenty of people think either one of those guys could be the next coach at Minnesota. So whoa, whoa. That why, plays why out. in the world would Dutcher leave San Diego State to go to Minnesota? I don't know. I don't. <laughs> Money, I guess. <laughs> then pay him what he wants in San Diego State. Yeah, San Diego State should say, "What do you want?" Because <laughs> they've had a really good program the last few years. Well, longer than that, going back to Fisher, obviously. But he was obviously part of that. He was Fisher's assistant. He was so. top assistant for many, many years. Yep. And uh, they're a pretty good program, and you get to live in San Diego, my friend. <laughs> Trading that for Minneapolis? I don't know if you've heard about the winter weather there, but those are extremes. Yeah, no. San Diego paper had a big story on it. You know, is he going to be targeted? So, all right. So we did talk some college basketball. In addition to having Larry on the show, uh, the Utes, uh, we covered them. The Aggies got the number two seed by coming from behind to beat Fresno State. 57-51, a game they were only scored 17 points in the second half, but they got 40 in the second half, and they defended the whole game, and they were rewarded for that. So now they're off to the conference tournament as the two seed. San Diego State's the one seed, and they're really the only team in the league that knows they're in. Everybody else, and it's pretty dicey. And I know they got a bunch of good teams. You know, it could be CSU who gets in. It could be the Aggies who get in. It could be Boise State who gets in. But those other three have to be sweating it right now, PK. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't look at it like that, though. I would look at it as an opportunity to go play some more ball and prove that we belong rather than sweating it. Uh, like to look at their opportunities. Obviously, San Diego State lost twice to Utah State. Now, both of those were in Logan, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a long time ago, yep. relatively speaking, in a college season. So I sort of like this tournament that uh, it's it's more wide open, I think, because I could even throw in possibly as Nevada as a dark horse to uh, maybe get to the final, and then if they hit a bunch of threes, who knows. So I'm excited to see what Utah State can do. Uh, I see no reason why they don't win it. If they got their health, and it looks like they do, and they've got some contributions. And to me, Kate is an NBA player. Uh, Bean is a double-double dude. And Ashworth has given him a, a real good contribution here from a younger fellow as far as grade-wise. So it looks like they got all the parts. And Craig Smith has just done great, great work in his short time in Logan. BYU's playing Pepperdine, 10 o'clock tonight, ESPN2, West Coast Conference Tournament Semifinals. That's the second semi. Gonzaga plays at 7. And right now, I wonder if there is a single listener out there who wouldn't pick Gonzaga to win the semis, BYU to win the semis, and Gonzaga to win the final. I think we'd have some unity in the community on those predictions. I would think so, too. I think it's important for BYU to really establish themselves and win this thing. Because a year ago they lose to St. Mary's. Now St. Mary's was a good was a good ball club back then, and I don't think Pepperdine is at the level of St. Mary's that St. Mary's was last year. BYU played one of their worst games of the season at that particular time too. So with that in mind, I would like to see them hammer Pepperdine 
get themselves ready. And it's a monumental task. I'm going to go with Gonzaga, obviously. The Gonzaga Invitational, more often than not, is awarded to Gonzaga. This reminds me, the Mount, the West Coast Conference Tournament is like Stu Morrill and the Gossner Foods Classic. You invite a few dogs to come in, and then you're holding the trophy at the end. Isn't that the way the, God, the Gossner Foods Classic played out for so many so years? So many times. <laughs> yeah. And I, gosh, you know, I've been down there for so many years. I'm not going to be down there this year, and it sucks. I love being down there. I love being around, uh, what's that place hold, about 8,500? I mean, I can honestly say seven to 8,000 of those fans are where Gonzaga's, and they really, really rally around that team. And it is fun to see so many folks who are Gonzaga fans. The only thing that you don't get is the animosity towards uh, the other teams because Gonzaga is so much better. When you went to the Mountain West... There was animosity. <laughs> everybody always rooted against BYU just as a general principle, and it's probably a lot of football hangover. But, two, you rooted against, well, Utah because we're going to play the, the winner of this team, so we'd rather play whoever it might be, rather than the youth. So you'd go to the arena, and you'd see the various factions of fan bases, and there wasn't the overwhelmingly dominant fan base like there is Gonzaga. So you'd see, it's hard to judge because of red, you had New Mexico and San Diego State and Utah. And, and, and UNLV. They, and UNLV would be there, of course, too. And they would be, uh, the fans would be there rooting back and forth. And then you'd have the yellow, yeah, which stood who, out like a yeah, massive right. you always sore thumb. Wyoming. <laughs> yeah, and they would be there rooting. They'd always root against BYU just as a general principle. But then if Utah was a good team and you had to play them, you'd root against that. You don't really have that in the West Coast They're because they don't. none of their fans travel. A little bit of BYU, even less St. Mary's, and a lot Gonzaga. And Gonzaga, quite frankly, has nothing to worry about because they're going to beat whoever. They should be able to play that on that Tuesday in the final. BYU and Utah always felt like they had a target. When they, I, I thought we thought the rest of the conference could unify against either one of those schools. I think BYU, the football hangover, and Utah won so much in basketball. People love to see them go down, if for no other reason than it could clear a path for them. You know, you could be sitting there in a semifinal or what, a first semifinal, and so there'd be three schools rooting against you. Like, and it was fun. You could feel the energy. Yeah. You feel the energy in the Thomas and Mac. This was always my favorite week of the season for all those years. I worked for the Watchdog and covered college basketball. This was the favorite week, even more so than the NCAA tournament, which I love doing also. DJ PK is 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Coming up next, your feedback. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Oh, Canada, LeBron loves that place. He and the NBA should leave no trace. Please move to Canada. You are a huge disgrace. Okay, weigh it in. A little all-star br- all yeah, star game song there. He was not pleased with the them standing for the Canadian national anthem and then vacating for the United States national anthem. Time for your feedback. And we got some Larry Kostobiak feedback here, PK. I'll bet you can anticipate what it is. Okay. 
Greg, Larry's time is up. I don't remember a time in my life when there was less enthusiasm for Ute basketball. No tourney in seven years. Can't keep talent, fan apathy, and indifference. I don't think it's no tournament in seven years. I think it's going to be no tournament in five years next Selection Sunday. Obviously, if they win the conference tournament, that'll change. But no one's anticipating that. But it's four going on five here next week. Well, he but almost, I get the he, bigger point. He, he must only be 10 years old because I think there was probably less enthusiasm when Larry took over that first year. Cratered. Maybe I'm wrong. But there was hope. I don't know that there's a lot of hope now. There was hope that, okay, Larry's going to turn this around. Not this year, because if you remember, all the, well, not all, all but one player transferred out, and it was after everyone was committed and the transfer portal wasn't a thing yet. So it was basically get whoever you can, and it was later referred to as year zero, which I thought was actually a fairly, fairly oh. accurate label for that year. Now, this person who tweeted at you was a Ute fan, and so he most likely is invested in this program. Yep. And so he has the right to say that. If he's been involved in the program, then that you, you have to earn the right to be critical. And it sounds like this person has earned that right to be critical. So I can't deny him that right, nor can I completely criticize and say you're absolutely wrong. For me... It's not the time, but the time is growing shorter. That's for sure, and it's getting closer. And there's going to have to be, uh, you know, a you and a water get off the pot time. I understand that. I'm not there yet. That's me. If you want to be, I can't argue with you and say, "Wow, that's so outlandish." Why would you say that? The fan apathy and indifference is not debatable. I mean, it's kind of masked this year because you can't have fans at games, and then if you can, it's a, it's a very small number. Uh, but it's clear where it was trending the last couple of years. And, I mean, I just think the signs have been there. And it was, Larry didn't really want to get into it, and I get it. He's got a game Wednesday. Um, but 44 and 41, stuff has to change. You know, that's, that's the record over the last three years. That's 85 games. That's a pretty good sample size. And the two years prior to that, they missed the NCAA tournament and were in the NIT. And, you know, I can accept some rebuilding years mixed in, but after a couple of NITs, it's time to go. But instead, it, it's gotten worse. And, you know, I, I know this year is a bizarro year, uh, but it's still the worst record of okay. the bunch. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. It's, it's got to be trending somewhere. And it is, and it's trending somewhere poor, you know. I think that Jill actually weighed in, and this is why everyone pulls, well, I don't know if everyone pulls for Larry, but this is why you and I pull for Larry, well, one of the reasons. I mean, we know people on the staff, and it's really hard to root against them, and this kind of, you know, coaching changes are always harder on assistants than they are on head coaches. Well, uh, but Jill says, he's saying good things, but it's not translating. If you listen to the interview, it was great. Everything he was saying, you know, great, but it's, it's not translating. And it's what Steve Cleveland said earlier. You know, at some point you got to win. I, I Everybody knows that. Yeah, yeah. Chris Hill once said that Larry Kristobiak is a very smart person, mm-hmm. and you can see that, and you can hear that. I mean, he's a decent person for sure. Yeah, and he's yeah. the type of guy that I like to see have success. Yep. Well, hopefully they'll have a big week down and at uh, the Pac-12 tournament. We'll see how that goes. We are out of time. Scotty and Hands are coming up next. We will see you tomorrow from six to ten on ninety-seven five at twelve eighty the zone.